0: Hey there Super Nintendo fans or Super Famicom fans, I am the Noswear Gamer, host of the Noswear Gamer on YouTube, your source for new reviews on old games, and I'm also the host of the Atari 7800 Game by Game podcast, along with my robotic announcer guy, Voice.
1: And you are listening to the Super Nintendo Entertainment System podcast.
0: Right here on the Retro Junkies Network.
2: Most Soul Blazer.
1: Hello and welcome to Super NES Podcast. This is your regular host Greg, aka SoBlazer. Um, I am pleased uh, once again to have with me a special, like special guest host. Um, he's been on the podcast like once before, um, but to help me talk about the launch Super NES game Power Wings, uh, produced and released by Nintendo back in 1991, I'm once again, i once again very pleased to have, pleased to, to, to have with us. Uh, you know, we're a gamer uh, and the host of 1700 Team by Game podcast. Uh, Phil, uh, how's it going tonight, Phil?
0: Now with more blast processing. Are you <laughs> jealous? <laughs>
1: Not really, because that was always like a um, just a marketing hype from Sega compared to the graphics. That this, that this game we're talking about tonight actually has. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, you can make the case that Mode Seven, in a sense, is the same kind of marketing hype because blast processing was just about their faster processor. You know, so it's just it's just overemphasizing one aspect of mm. the system.
1: It's always a little bit easier to see graphical uh, graphical things in a game though, compared to like anything else. I mean, which right. is why graphics are hyper you know, which by graphics are hyped like so front and center, I think, like whenever like a new system comes out. But then uh, Wings has Power you know, Wings has been used to has been used to hype new systems as we're talking about here like later on in the podcast. So um Anyway, uh, I've got a little bit of podcast news to go over. I'd like to go over to go over the listeners out there first uh, before Phil and I talk about this great launch game. Um, first of all, um, you may, are, uh, first of all, most of our viewers, I'm sorry, viewers, yeah, I'll be okay tonight. Uh, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm thinking like a Phil like excellent YouTube show, but they, um, <laughs> um, most, of our li- most of our listeners already know that my regular co host, like Alessandro, unfortunately had to quit the podcast due to personal reasons. Um, so uh, I am looking for a new permanent guest host. There have been a couple of people who have expressed some interest. I'm trying to work out the details now, uh, but in the meantime, I have some special episodes planned uh, with some guest hosts who have, most cases, have been on the podcast before in the past, and immigration up to return, uh, like, return to the podcast. Uh, Phil was the first, of those uh, like the first of those like repeat guest hosts that you're going to hear. Um, so uh, I also, I also am pleased to say that uh, I have, to, I have been talked into. Being a being an active host in another podcast, um, George Vesper, who you may already know from being the host of the uh, uh, host like of the uh, Sega Master System Masterpieces podcast, uh, and I just launched a new like a new podcast, a podcast I was wishing several times before and past submissions that I wish would come out, um, a game that game podcast on the PlayStation called PlayStation Power that's going to cover both the PS1 and the PS2. Um, wow. Uh we recorded episode zero, uh, talking about the system and our histories of history with it and whatnot. Uh that just got released yesterday. Uh so check out the Facebook page. Um, like for that. And also like and also like and also that should be on iTunes iTunes by the time by the time this podcast comes comes out. So that's also gonna be a bi a bi weekly podcast. George and I will be off any episodes during weeks I'm not doing the Superman S yes podcast. So, um, um and our planned first game for the PlayStation is going to be the best of the launch games, I think, in my honest opinion. Uh, Ridge Racer, which helped us like a lot of Playstations. So, yeah, that
0: that was really popular. That and Battle Area uh, Arena Toshinden. Yes. I remember we're uh, we were being. I think for a while the, the uh, Battle Arena was actually slightly more popular. Maybe just in my neck of the woods. Yes. But I think Ridge Racer has held up better over time, given it a little bit nicer sheen. So. Are you guys going to do like one game every? Are you going to make it game by game kind of style? Uh, right now, uh, none of the details are one hundred percent hashed out at this point yet. But George and I have been
1: talking about that, and we do believe it is going to be game by game.
0: That uh, that's, if you decide to go through the whole <laughs> library, of both that's insane. Yeah. you guys could do it for like the next one hundred and twenty <laughs> years and still have games to go. Uh,
1: yeah, I'm not even saying enough to cover the Super NES library, like entirely game by game. So <laughs>
0: that <laughs> <Yeah>. is crazy. But <laughs> well, what I want to know too is how are you going to rate the games? Because you know, you I know on the master system masterpieces, they have masterpieces and and some other catchy names. So it's like, what is it going to be like the PlayStation potties for the bad ones and the the perfect? (laughs) I mean, what kind of rating are you guys going to do? We haven't yet decided that yet. Um, uh, We
1: may go ahead and and they uh, and they uh, borrow like your system for rating games, actually, but. Uh, because it's pretty effective, so yeah, it's, it's a
0: popular thing to do. Evidently, <laughs> you're more than welcome to do that if you do. But it, it's always interesting <laughs> to see how they do it, because you know you have the Genesis gems and and the uh, Master System masterpieces. <laughs> you never know what's going to be next.
1: Right. So uh, I believe we're going to be alternating between I believe we're going to be alternating alternating between PS One and PS Two games. Uh, we've, we're going to record a special episode zero for uh, zero on the PS Two as well, which we haven't which we haven't, which we haven't done yet. So stay tuned for that. So we, um, but uh, yeah, so we are talking about like you know launch games with impressive graphics. Um, Pot Wings was one of the five games. Was one of the five games that launched with Super NES in North America back in August of nineteen ninety one. Um, and Phil, I know you're not a Super NES guy, but can you name some of the other launch games that came out with the system?
0: Okay, Super Mario World, F Zero. Um, let's see what else was there. Was SimCity one of them? Yes, I know it was. Clo- it was close to the beginning. Yeah. And then the last I,
1: game's a third-party title. The only. Okay, one.
0: well, third-party. Um, I- I'll go with Final Fight. You're close. that came out like a few months okay, after that. Okay, you and Squadron then. Uh, again, uh, close.
1: Uh, uh, you're a uh, different company though. Would it help if I said Konami?
0: Konami Super Castlevania Four. No, that was Christmas. Uh, Gradius Three. Oh okay, yeah, I would have never got it.
1: yeah, that's another game I really love that I'm gonna cover at some point here in the future but um uh, um but yeah, uh Pot wings has been has been kind of decisively uh mocked as being a like being like a a tech game demo pretty much with just like a few dressings layer on top of it but uh, um i I think there's more to the game than that like even though it is very graphically graphically pretty, so a um um, Phil, so why don't you tell us why you wanted to talk about this game on this podcast and what your history with it is.
0: Well, well my history, uh, as I told you on the previous podcast, I didn't have an SNES growing up, but I did have a couple of friends who had one. And this is about my other friend who had one. Previously, I, I guess I'll call him the basement friend, the guy who I played Tecmo Super Bowl in his basement with. My other friend had one, too. And uh, he, this was the guy who I think everyone had one of these friends who was better off than you were financially, their family was, and tended to get more toys, if you will. And in his case, he got basically whatever he wanted, whether, whether it be toy or video game-wise. So if I wanted to play something new, uh, I would go over to his house. He had everything. He had everything from Atari to Nintendo to the SNES to the Genesis. He had a Saturn when it came out. He had a Sega CD when it came out. Just if if it came out, he probably had it. He even had, I don't know if you remember this, Greg, but they made uh, an arcade-like cabinet for your Nintendo. And I think it was like blue, red, and, and kind of a whitish gray. Oh, yes, the Play Choice play. 10. No, 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 not Play Choice Ten. It was made for a TV and a video game system. You could hook it up so it played real video games. Oh, yeah, the combo unit. Wasn't that like a, uh, a Sharp TV or something like that? I, it was, no, it was like just what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about because Sharp made a TV that was also a uh, a Nintendo. Right, yeah. What this was was more of an arcade uh, cabinet body, the plywood, but hmm. it had an empty spot where you put a TV in and a way to somehow hook your controller into your NES so you're using arcade controllers with it. Huh. So, so no, I don't you, think I've ever it, heard about that. No, it's still used. And he actually had one of these and, it, and it's still used. And I think you might be able to use it to other systems as well. But I think the hookups were designed for the NES because, you know, you had the the cord that was mm. shaped like that for the controller. But, yeah, you could uh, hook that up and, and play it in his basement. But he had a SNES. He bought it relatively clo- uh, close to right when it came out. Um, you know, nowadays, when you talk about launch titles, people are more specific because, they they're ready for the midnight midnight launch and you know exactly what's coming up because it's all over the internet wasn't that way when the snes came out Mm -hmm, we kind of like it was whatever came out at toys r us when you stumbled upon it so when he got it uh final fight may have been out already Mm -hmm. because i know he had final he had final fight super mario world uh he he had F zero he had sim city i believe and he had of course pilot wings and like you said it was it showed off what the system could do just like when the sega cd came out the fmv game showed off what the system can do Mm -hmm. uh and there's something when you're younger and we've never seen it before that's kind of amazing about it even if the game's not that great it's Mm -hmm. still amazing it draws it's like when um i wonder what it was like because i was i didn't have it in my arcade but when dragon's lair came out to the arcade Mm. with the the full motion compared to sprites I can imagine what that was like. I mean, I remember when games like um, Lethal Enforcers and Pit Fighter and Mortal Kombat had to digitize guys in it, you know, mm. and just that aspect was amazing. So here we are sitting in his basement, and he has um, his SNES hooked up, and and something about Pilot Wings uh, drew me in. I don't know what it was, but I just I remember. I vividly remember the first, one of the earliest memories is just, you know, picking, okay, do you want to do skydiving or do you want to do the plane? And you pick it and it zooms in towards your face.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And and I can't tell you, I can't emphasize how much that was like a cool thing when that happened. Very, very simple by today's standards, mm-hmm. but just that zooming in, the little um, green outline of your character zooming in and then getting ready to uh, see... You know, see the scaling as you do- as you skydove and got closer and closer, and there really wasn't another game quite like it. And mm. really, there hasn't been many games like it since. It's True. it's a very unique title. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, for sure. Nintendo's always had a habit like about making like very unique niche games. Uh, sometimes they, uh, you know, sometimes those games succeed very well, and sometimes they bomb. Um, like, you know, like, um, you think about all the franchises that Nintendo started over the years that have been very quirky or unique or, 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 or unique or, or unique, or in some cases, like Japanese, that, that, you know, that have done very well over here in the States. Um, Animal Crossing comes right to mind. I mean, that's a very, like, unique, quirky game for sure. And those games mm-hmm. have become super popular. So, uh, yeah, Power Wings is definitely unique. Uh, Power Wings was created by Nintendo's uh, famous uh, analysts and development. Uh, uh, division, uh, also known as EAD, which was responsible for making a lot of Nintendo's like biggest day of hits, uh, and this is the division that like Shigeru uh, Miyamoto was the producer of. Uh, so even though he didn't directly make the game, he had uh, like he had a hand like helping to shape it. And his influence on the game certainly shows.
0: Well, it's definitely creative, mm-hmm. and that's yeah. one thing Shigeru Miyamoto was good at. And you know, it, I see on my podcast I, I'm going into the history of Donkey Kong. And Shigeru Miyamoto's everywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is absolutely everywhere when it comes to Nintendo. And I'm kind of starting to view him more like a Steven Spielberg, where Steven Spielberg's name is on everything nowadays TV shows, movies. And it's impossible that one man can do all that stuff. But you know that, like, it's like, what is it? Is it they just come into a meeting for 10 minutes and get just spew out genius ideas and then that's their <laughs> contribution, but they get credit for it because of their name. But sometimes those ideas uh really come to fruition. I mean and just to think what Nintendo's done as far as um I don't I don't want to say gimmicks, but with the three D S and even the Wii Wii Sports. Mm-hmm. I mean that yeah. game alone Made the Wii more popular than any system during that era. So mm-hmm. if there's one thing, and who knows what the NX is going to be like, the new Nintendo system. Right. I mean, I'm hearing different things, and people are there. There's been rumors that it monitors your sleep and somehow it affects <laughs> the game. There's been rumors that it's going to be uh, part mobile and part uh, a home system. I mean, who knows what it's going to be? But you can. T- if there's one thing Nintendo always does is they always look for different technologies to do. I mean, look at the DS mm-hmm. dual screens with touch yeah. screens, right? So. Yeah. That's one thing they do all the time.
1: Yeah, definitely. So uh, yeah, this game definitely, this game definitely is a, uh, it's a interesting game. Uh, it's a pretty good. Like I think it was, I think this game probably was better off coming out for the launch of the system as opposed to coming out like a year or two later because. Uh, because this game fills kind of a nice void in the Super NES library for launch. Because you had, because you had your platform game, you had your, you had your, your race, you had your race slash uh, you sports game, uh, you had your shooter, you had your uh, sim game, and, and but you also have a very. Um, I'm not really sure exactly how to classify this game. I probably would say, you know, I probably would say that it's like a, um, um, a light action slash light
0: simulation game. Uh, yeah, because, it's very hard because a lot of people call it flight simulation, but I like flight simulators to mm, a degree, and yeah. this isn't quite a flight simulator. Yeah you're, not really,
1: it's, yeah, you're not really doing any kind of direct fly that you think of in a flight simulator game for sure in this one.
0: But and yeah. you know what, It's it says something about the game that it became so popular because you look, it, you go, going back to the Toys R Us thing, you're walking down the aisle, you're looking at the launch titles. You know, Mario has name value, bam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. SimCity has name value, bam, you know. Uh, Gradius has a spaceship probably on the cover shooting up stuff, right? Yeah, it does. And then you have this game with clouds on the cover. Yeah, it's you know? a very
1: yeah, it's a very strange cover because it doesn't tell you, it doesn't tell you anything like, about the game. It just simply just like, like all it shows is the all it shows is like you know the sky and rings.
0: right and and does that really look exciting to a kid and yet somehow (laughs) somehow it sold millions of copies it got re-released several times Mm -hmm. i might have even sold a copy i used to work in a toy department back well let me put it this way i was working it when the sega dreamcast launched Mm -hmm. okay and during this time the playstation was the king the nintendo 64 was on the shelves the saturn had already come and died but we still got a few Sega Genesis games because the Sega Genesis 3, and we still got some because of the mini SNES. We still got a few yeah. uh, Super Nintendo games, and this might have been one of them that kept getting re-released because yeah. I think Majesco might have re-released it too because they did a lot of uh, re-releasing of 16-bit games at that time.
1: Hmm, yeah. No, yeah, it's possible. Uh, uh, so, yeah, definitely. Um, uh, yeah, so, we. Uh, yeah, Power Wings definitely, definitely would... Power Wings definitely was a very, um, yeah, like I always said, like a very, like, unique game, uh, so we're gonna try to classify it here as best we can, like, for those of you out there that, like, haven't played it, um, you basically have a bunch of missions, uh, the games, with the you know, the games loosely, the, the game is loosely defined into, like, a, um, uh, like, like four missions and during each mission you can do either from two to four uh, events and you have to get a passing grade on all those events to be able to finish the mission and if you finish the mission then you're given a password code there's no um uh, there's no battery on this game curiously enough to say your progress like instead you're given like a simple like a simple five digit password code uh that you punch in to get back to your progress um and there are eight missions all together in the game puzzles also plus there's also two special missions that you can access like as you go through the game um, and uh, and the missions themselves consist of like like we said like four different flying events and there's also like three like three bonus areas so uh, there's a pretty good amount of variety in this game for sure but for, for like for sure of everything that you can do um, it's deceptively simple, because the game has a very nice difficulty curve, I think. It starts off very, very easy. Those first, you know, those first events you're doing are nice and easy relaxed, and there's no problem doing them. And then it's, and the difficulty level grap- gradually increases increases very nicely during the course of the game. So that, like, toward the end, you're doing some very complex, difficult-to-do maneuvers, like in those events. Uh, and you really have to have mastered the game like by that. The game goes from relaxing to very... Uh, relaxing and, and sedate to being like uh heart attack inducing. We're trying to finish some of them in time.
0: Okay, know. so can I can I confess something right now? <laughs> I, I've I've never on my own gotten past the third or fourth. I might have gotten to the fourth area. Yeah. A, I, it, on my own. <laughs> I mean this game it's just de- like you said, deceptively simple. Hmm. It's it's like uh what I think uh was it Nolan Bushnell who said like easy to play, hard to master. Yeah. That's this game. This game is deceptively difficult as you get on into missions. The one nice thing about the passwords is that, first of all, you don't have to worry about a battery being dead if you pick up a cart nowadays. And also the game, something that's interesting, like let's say you get to the third area, you put in your password. When... You know, you have to get so for there's a different number of courses, like sometimes mm-hmm. there's just two events and right. sometimes there's as many as four and you can earn points on each one. You have to get so many points. So you can bomb one course, but still pass if you do phenomenally well. Oh, in the yeah. course. <laughs> um, and sometimes that's that's your key is yes. trying to get to the bonus rounds and gain enough points to give you a lot of wiggle room. Right. But the, the, it gives you the option to always retry. Hmm. And something that's kind of unique to me is when you retry it, when you select the retry option, it lets you go back to a previous uh course like yeah. if you want to yeah. go back to the second area and you're on the third you can do that which is kind of interesting it's very simple to um to retry something if you if you fail
1: oh yeah definitely uh yeah you know the game is like very encouraging with you in the progress i think like you know you like you know like, you always feel like you're making progress like if you don't like manage to finish uh, finish a course like well enough because if, like you said you can bomb one course but if you do well enough and like a second course or the third course something else then no problem you can still advance. So, um, my own history with the game is I picked it up, I don't remember exactly when I picked it up, I want to say it was about, like, a, within the first year I, uh, the first year I had of the system, because it was not a game that I got at launch, uh, it was a game I picked up, like, relatively soon afterwards, along, uh, uh, soon afterwards, like, along with other games, like, uh, F-Zero, and Super Castlevania 4, and, a, um, uh, like in Populous and a few other games, and uh, yeah, I really liked it a lot. It's certainly very unique. It's very quirky. Uh, it was a good game. To, you know, it was a good game to show up to friends. Like show up to uh, you know, show up. The system could do graphically, uh, and just a very like unique game. Um, and uh, and uh, it took me several months. but I found like it took me several months to, for several months and a lot of hassle and a lot of work. But I did finally beat it. Uh, beat it.
0: Wow uh, that well if i owned it as a kid i might have beat it cuz it yeah. takes some dedication. Oh yeah. But but like i said to this day uh it's it's just like a get up to the third course and done and and for this and for tonight i actually went to like some of the later stages for the first time ever. <laughs> and oh my goodness are some of those just difficult beyond belief i mean just the yes they the limited are. <laughs> area that you you have to land and and stuff like that i mean i don't know maybe this is a good time should we tell them like some of the different areas that there are through each missions you know like the skydiving and whatnot
1: yeah sure go ahead so talk about your favorite one first
0: well, well okay so let's see we got let me see if i can remember these all all, sure. these, all. you got the skydiving you have the the plane um, I, it's a biplane, like a, like the Red Baron and Snoopy kind of style plane. Yeah, the game called the
1: light plane.
0: Yep, the light plane. You have the um, the parasailing, the glider I guess is what they call it, not parasailing. The glider, which is my least favorite event, I think, <laughs> of any of the events. And then one of my favorite events is the rocket pack. And, and for me, it, it comes down to both skydiving and rocket pack. I like both those events. The biplane is kind of like, eh, whatever, and I hate the glider. Hmm. Um, tonight might've been the first time I passed it on my own because mm. I didn't realize it's the glider event is not as clear what you're supposed to do. Cause you actually have to read the text about, um, reaching a maximum altitude in the earlier levels of 500 feet Yes. where in the game, if you, cause a lot of the other games, you could just kind of start them and it kind of explains itself. It uses the, uh, little balls and spheres that are floating to guide your path right. and tells you when to land. And when you're in the glider mission, if you're, if you just jump into it and you're like, Why did I can I land am I just supposed to go back and forth between these two updrafts, Mm -hmm. you know And then there's a special mission that is kind of like um, it reminds me a little bit of desert strike And a combination of desert strike and Choplifter, where you're doing a a helicopter from the overhead I didn't like that that much Mm -hmm. I I tried it for the first time and I I didn't care for it to be honest with you.
1: Those are tough Uh, So like we're definitely talking about those like later on But yeah, the helicopter the helicopter missions are only hinted at in the manual uh, the game doesn't really make any direct reference to them until you're actually like presented you're presented with it. So it's kind of a nice bonus. Um, there are speaking of bonuses, there are there are however three bonus bonus events that you can access. If you do certain things in the game, and we'll talk about and we'll cover in the secret section later in the podcast what you actually have to do to unlock them. Uh, there are three bonus events you can do to earn bonus points, uh, like in the event to help you to help you pass it. Um, and those three bonus events are maneuvering a diving penguin back into a pool, bouncing a winged man across across a series of trampolines, and flying 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 flying, flying another winged man as far as possible. Uh, and you go flying, You only access these bonus events by doing, like I said, significant things you have to do in certain the like some of the events to be able to unlock it.
0: And I think I've done the penguin once. <laughs> And the flying man, maybe a small handful of times, because that's that's easier one to get.
1: Yeah, these are tough. All three of these are pretty flippery, challenging. So, but but, uh, yeah, for me, like for me, um, I enjoy all the events. But for the four regular events, I would rank from best to worst for me. uh, um, Skydiving, I agree with you. Skydiving is the best. Skydiving is a lot of fun. Um, then I liked hang gliding because hang gliding, even though hang gliding, even though it's a bit difficult to get the hang of, it's very unique. I can't think of another game before, like we actually get the hang glide. So uh, where there are some other games I play that do have some uh, um, uh, skydiving events uh, events in them. So hang gliding is extremely unique, and hang gliding is something I always wanted to do in real life anyway. Hmm. Um, but uh, uh, because I have friends who because I have friends have done it before, the, and and they just like you know rave about it, just how awesome it is. Uh, well,
0: have you have you played any of the sequels, the uh, sixty four or the three DS version?
1: Yes, I have. Uh, I was going to save some talk about that like toward the end here. Uh, yeah,
0: because those are the only other yeah. ones that I know yeah. that have hand. I think I have the three DS one, and I believe it has a lot of hand gliding in it, if I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah. Not too many games have hand gliding in nope. them I can't think of, I can't think of any other game right. I'm sure there is, but I can't think of another game with hand gliding in it yep. or skydiving to be honest well there's skydiver uh, for the uh twenty six hundred mm-hmm. yes
1: yep yep and there's a couple of indie games I have uh, like I have it also feature like skydiving so um and then after that you know light plane light plane I enjoy light plane is just yeah I mean, it's basic. It's like playing. It's fun. Nothing really, like you know, to uh, to make it stand out, but it works very well for what it is. Uh, the rocket pack I probably like the least, only because I find it to be very, very difficult like, to control. Uh, it's certainly, the, I, I, um, I think it's the most difficult of the difficult of the events to control. Uh, the controls overall for the game I think are pretty easy and basic. It's like even you know, like one button does this, one button does that. Uh, pretty easy to figure out. Rocket pack has the most complicated controls. Uh, there's a reason. There's a reason they don't induce the rocket pack like to the last of the events. Um, right, and, and and
0: well, and because you got one button that uses like light thrust and one for a lot of thrust. Yes. And the thing about the rocket pack is it's very hard to center.
1: Oh yes. Very very hard <laughs> to
0: center. Like you want to you want to just kind of hover somewhere and it's it's almost impossible because you're always drifting they I, i i haven't played the 64 version but the the 3ds version i believe did a much better job of centering it when you wanted to center but yeah that is the one downfall but in the rocket pack levels did you ever do the thing where you like there's these little spheres on the ground these little gray circles that you can uh jump on and they explode and it doesn't dock you any points just mm. those and it's like it's almost like uh it's almost like mini trampolines i don't know what they're supposed to be they're like little yeah, miniature yeah. domes or whatever right. but you can uh jump on those
1: yeah yeah, yeah definitely yeah and the uh, and the rocket pack again though however it's it like it's very unique again like again i can again again again, again 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 i can only think of a couple other games as at the power wings we get to fly
0: rocket pack yeah, like rocketeer, um, and yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. and uh, maybe you could count hero, but that has like a um, a, a, a helicopter attached to that on the twenty six hundred and other systems. But yeah, yeah it's rocket... close
1: enough. I kind of consider it to be a rocket pack. So, but uh, but yeah, but yeah, you know, and uh, rocket packs were very very experimental at the time this game came out back in uh back in 91
0: 92 nowadays
1: nowadays people are actually starting to fly rocket packs they're actually yeah. You know,
0: everybody has a rocket pack are you kidding me this is back to the future 2015 we all got rocket. <laughs> we almost kind of got a hoverboard and that's yeah. we'll be good then
1: there's actually a company in california that will rent you one for like about like you know like six thousand dollars but you know like for the day so but uh because the main problem of rocket pack of course is fuel supply because you don't have very much you can only carry so many gallons on your back so but a uh,
0: and and then there's another version of it i'm 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 in florida so at the beaches it's popular they have these like hydro rocket packs where it shoots out a stream of water it's like attached to a jet ski or something and you huh. and you can and it's water propelled
1: wow yeah and, that sounds and, fun and,
0: uh, <laughs> so you know you're not using you're not using flames it's just a big jet of water and you can fly in the air and you got some little uh, hoses I think on your feet so you can do flips and tricks in the air and stuff like that but you have like this big garden hose attached to you the whole time
1: huh yeah that sounds yeah yeah that sounds fun like for sure so uh, yeah so yeah uh, let's talk about each of the events just to, 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 you know, each of the four events um uh, you know just like you know like pros and cons like a bit more here uh skydiving is probably the first thing you're going to do in the game and skydiving is pretty fun you're just simply uh, it gets more difficult as the game goes on, but I basically doing Skydiving is that the game shows you this very nice graphic, graphics like I was talking about earlier, uh, about you being like flown up. you're hanging on to the bottom rung of like a ladder hanging down from a helicopter. Uh, as, as you go up higher in the sky, and the, and, and the super NES rose really shows up, and mode seven effects very well here, I think. Uh, it's like the ground gets like you know small and smaller beneath you, and then you have to, and, and then you let go, and your main objective is to, your main your main objective is just to simply maneuver maneuver yourself a, a, as you're free falling to go through some rings, um, and then after you and then finally after you finish the rings, you have to deploy a parachute. And there's a certain height you want to deploy the parachute at. If you're daredevil and deploy the parachute late, you get bonus points um, compared to like, you know, deploying a safe altitude. But the fact, but the closer to the ground you are that you deploy the parachute, the less time you have to land properly. Because the last thing you have to do is you have to land correctly. And if you land correctly on the target, there's like a big bullseye, well not really bullseye, like a square, a bullseye square that you want to land on. And you want to try to aim yourself as as close as possible at the center of that for maximum points.
0: Right. I think bullseye, especially in the early levels, is is fair because it looks like a dartboard. I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you want to hit center and then they have the floating. If you really want to do something amazing, which is very difficult to do skydiving, is land on the moving platforms. There's also platforms you can land on. And that's. there's also a weird graphical glitch with the skydiving. I don't know if it's a glitch or not, but I think it's the second um, time you can skydive. As the the game pulls you up, as you're increasing your altitude, those little um, gray circles or spheres I was talking to that's on the bottom, There, it's like this weird square where just those spheres stay the same size. Everything else scales, but the spheres do not. Mm. And it, that's kind of bizarre. its it has, I'm sure it has something to do with the Mode 7 and mm-hmm. how they're doing it. Maybe the fact that you can interact with those because you can you know, blow them up, you can jump on them. So maybe because they're interactive, they can't scale them, I don't know. But I, I always found that very interesting. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely.
1: Uh, yeah, skydiving. Sky, you know, skydiving. Like I said, like, um, you know, it's like a very fun event. Um, most of these events are pretty quick. They don't take you too long to finish each one. Skydiving, I think, is the fastest. Is the fastest of all the events. Uh, you probably can finish this one like about two minutes.
0: And if uh, and if you want to just go straight and make your guy hit, make a little, uh, you know, like a Looney Tunes <laughs> kind of guy in the ground. It can last you fifteen seconds. And I'll tell you uh, one thing I like about the event. This is cheesy, but you can hit a button to like automatically reach your maximum altitude so either you can slowly go up or mm-hmm. you can just click it. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I love the click sound. There's this <laughs> this this click sound like a camera taking a picture or something. I don't know why, but yeah. I always like that sound. Uh, the downsides of this event is sometimes if you start missing the rings, it's very hard to correct yourself falling. Yeah. Yes, it is. It's yep. very easy to overcompensate. And the same thing can be said about landing, like uh, trying to land just in a specific area can also be very difficult. Like at the last second, trying to judge when you want to deploy your chute, and just trying to just trying to angle it just at the right time. Man, it takes a lot of trial and error.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, definitely. Um yeah,
1: you definitely cannot do as much stuff in the air as you can as you can this game as you were actually skydiving like in real life because I have friends like have skydived and they can do and you know they talked about how they've done like de loops and like you know like complete circles and like flip around but you know, flip around through 60s and all of that kind of stuff. You can't really pull off that same kind of like you know like like aerial olympics like in this game, unfortunately. But uh, but you can move around a fair bit and they, uh, it's definitely. Yeah, and you have more control over your guy after you deploy the parachute. Um, it's a little bit easier to try to maneuver him. The problem the problem, the problem with the parachute, of course, of course, is of course, of course, at that point you're trying to line up to try to get as close to the center of the bullseye as possible, and that can be like very difficult to pull off also, especially if you happen to be in the wrong area that like can pull the parachute. So trying to cover from that, that can be like very, very tricky also.
0: And I can't tell you how many times where I thought I was about to hit dead bullseye and then I glide right over mm. it to the edge yeah. of the whole target and i I went from like the middle to all the way and sometimes landed in the water I'm like I was so close what happened <laughs> yep and as the game goes on these
1: uh, these events get more uh difficult uh the, the difficulty increases because the wing picks up uh because the wing can like you know like affect your affect your maneuvering You have to compensate for that uh there's more rings the rings are smaller uh the bullseye area is tougher um uh, smaller to land on and, and therefore like they are tougher to hit, I still found I still found this event the the easiest for me overall. I think this is this is always the event I was always able to get maximum points on usually. So by your like usually by acing this, I was able to compensate for making some mistakes in some of the other events. Uh, so next up we have the uh, light plane. This is uh, you know this is basically like you know like plane flying. Um, you already start like in the air, so like no need to take off like anything like that. Um, well actually to start off first time you do the event you start off flying i believe i believe for later events you have to actually take off um uh, right but like,
0: yeah. yeah is it and no i think yeah the one you just start in the air I, I was thinking isn't there one where they tow you and i'm thinking of the glider where they start mm-hmm. you in the air yeah. but you're being towed by a light plane right
1: no yep and then the uh yeah, the light plane, handles, The light, the light plane, Hanos, just like a light plane would. Uh, basic controls. Uh, it's pretty maneuverable. Um, again, you're doing uh, like again in this event, you're just trying to maneuver, maneuver the plane to go through like certain rings, uh, and just try to maneuver through them as um, and maneuver through those as best you can. And then at the end of the event, like you have to land the plane, and you get points depending upon how well you land the plane. And if you, and if you actually like land correctly, you, uh, land correctly in the runway and that kind of stuff, and they. Um, um, yeah, again, this is an event that's pretty. That, that this event, I'm. Usually, this is an event I was, usually able to, I was usually able to do like pretty well on. Um, you know, it's a very. This is the most relaxing of the four events, I think. But like, even when the, you know, even the difficulty level gets higher later on, because because the gist of it is very simple. All you're doing, like all are doing is just, like all you're doing is just like flying the plane, going through the rings, and just trying to land the plane safely. Um, like you know, the, uh, it has a very. The game does a very good job of kind of making you kind of feel like you're actually in the game like some of the events uh because of the graphics like and also because of the effects uh you, you know the graphical effects and the sound effects that they use but the light plane i think kind of does the best job of this because of, like it's very it's like behind the camera scene like look at the plane and it's like you know like um, like you know, the stages—the the stages of the game—we'll talk about here later on. But the stages of the game are very varied, and like you're going to some very like relaxing stages, like in you know, like you know, like beach or like sunset or whatnot. It's, it's all very soothing, like it's all very like you know, calming effect.
0: Yeah, yeah. And the thing I like about the light plane—I uh, don't know why—I I really like the engine sound. Mm,
1: yeah, the I, engine I think, very I, nice. think
0: it, I think it's well done. I I like the way that it revs up and revs down. Uh, you you have to watch your speed uh, your speed uh, because what I found in some events is like I thought I was going fast enough but if you're not going fast enough you'll lose altitude fast you mm-hmm. you, you you have to be like above the fifty uh, percent marker there but yeah it's it's one of those things I mean all these events it's basically how accurate can you land uh, how quickly can you do it and can you touch all the targets or fly through all the targets I mean that's basically the gist of every event right uh, for the most part but. Yeah, the plane, the plane. Like I said, the overall thing, it is relaxing. It is kind of meh because it it can kind of be slow paced at time. It but it controls pretty well. Sometimes yes. if I'm going too fast, it it's it, you know you overcompensate. But out of all the all the four main events, I think this one probably controls the best. It has the best uh, the tightest controls, at least in my opinion.
1: Oh yeah, definitely agree with you. Uh, the wholeheartedly like on that. Speaking um, about controls. Um, we, we then move on to the uh, hand gliding event. Um, Where well, the controls are deceptively simple in this one, but you have to do a little bit more fine touch uh, like this event to be able to you know be able to get maximum points on this. Uh, you start off already in the air. Uh, there's a plane towing you. And the event starts. like The plane that let you go, and you're just basically hand gliding. And the and the and the and once again, once again, and once again, like you're required to go through a certain number of rings, like and then like land correctly. Uh, but like, uh, but like skydiving, you're trying to land as close as as close as possible, like in the center of a bullseye. There's also a bullseye target for you in this one. Like you're trying to land yourself correct, as best you can in the center. And the tricky part about this one is the thermal, like the thermal drafts, because you're not sure what they look like to start off with. It takes some trial and error to try to, to, try to figure out. What they look like to start with and where they are, uh, because in order to do well in this event, you have to catch the thermodrafts. Uh, because you can see, because you're seeing this event, uh, the altitude uh, meter, and you want to try to keep yourself as high as possible like, for a long time, like, to get you ready to land. And the thermodrafts, they look like these. A um, uh, how I best to describe it? Uh, they, uh, uh, they look like this swirl of white dots that just very rapidly rise up, yeah, rise yeah, up the
0: screen. To me, it looks like um, a series of small clouds going straight up, but they're traveling in a snake-like pattern because mm-hmm. they 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 kind of have this arc like a snake uh, going on the ground.
1: Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a great way to describe it. And you really need to catch these because you have to catch these like in order to be able to get the uh, to get the height and the speed that you need to be able to to, to be able to do well this event. So this is an event that takes some trial and error. Uh, definitely more. Definitely. So that, um, yeah. More so than more so than the first two events, which are very pick up and play. This one, this you you know, this one takes a few times so to like get the hang of. Well,
0: yeah, because like I told you, the first time I did it, and tonight might have been the first time I mastered it, because I told you I've never gotten that far in this <laughs> game, and I probably was one of these impatient gamers who didn't read the text at the beginning. I just click click start <laughs> to start the event. Yeah. So it, the the first time you do it, there's no rings to go through. There's just two of these thermal uh, streams on the stage that you can use. And your goal is basically just to hit 500 feet altitude and then land. And the landing spot in the first event, I'm going to be a little picky, is not very clear where it is. Because there's actually, you know, it's like they reuse the course sometimes. Right. And there's there's actually different areas that had like the yellow target markings on them. And there's no point markings in in the first time through. I don't know about the future events. I didn't do that many of them. So it's a little bit of trial of error, like, okay, where exactly do you want me to land? Because it doesn't really tell you. Yes, there is a radar on your screen, but uh, who looks at that? So <laughs> you get the so you get the thermal clouds. I was so frustrated when I finally figured out it was 500 feet, because I kid you not, I hit the first one. You have to hit these things dead on. Yes, you do. And then, and I, then I think what you're supposed to do, because the game doesn't really tell you, is hold down on your um, D-pad to help increase the altitude as it brings you up. To help ride the draft, I think that's what you're supposed to do.
1: Uh, and yeah, the manual, the manual says that. I, I don't remember the game does, but the yeah, who
0: reads was... a manual? And and so, <laughs> you, and so, like the first time you get up to the three hundreds, if you hit it pretty good, the second one, the when I finally got it, I get I got up to like I kid you not, like four ninety nine. Hmm. And I was like, seriously, I have to turn around and try and hit it again. And at that point, it was time to reset. But I did finally. <laughs> I guess the key is basically hitting them dead center. Yes. And then and then timing it, the D-pad down just at the right time. Because the first time you do it, what happens when you hit them right is you nosedive for a second. And yes, it sounds yep. like you're about to crash. So you might be um, you might be uh, tempted to you hit right or left and get out of it because you're afraid you're going to crash. But that's actually the worst thing you can do.
1: Right. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yep. Yeah, it does take a bit to pro- uh, practice and trial and error to be able to get the, 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 the master the master of this. I think, but on the plus side, once you do get the hang of it, it's pretty easy to pull off. Um, and you know, it makes the later it makes the later hang gliding the hang gliding events later on in the game not that difficult once you actually figure out uh, how to correctly get the catch the thermodrafts draft drafts that they, are located, like in each event.
0: But I do have a this this event for me personally hardest one to land in the target area i don't know it's just really really difficult for me to to angle it in because with the parachute you know you can angle it quicker and of course the the rocket pack you can yeah you can readjust yourself but with that you're you keep going down and there's not a lot of going back up
1: yes definitely uh you definitely have to like you know, plan ahead and just like you know uh and it, um there's a couple of button presses that you gotta do like you know right at the end just to like bring yourself down to like a pinpoint landing so it's kind of tricky tricky to pull off at first like for sure but uh, um speaking about difficult controls the event the most difficult difficult controls for sure like now uh like is the fourth event the rocket pack uh because you have like because because Phil already mentioned earlier uh you have the uh you have the high thrust and low thrust options and you and you can also and you can also adjust your left or right uh your left and right yaw rotations uh which allow you to both to lean forward and lean back to like for your speed so it takes a bit definitely get the hang of this event as far as controls go it's the most tricky as far as it's just most tricky as far as the main events go as far as as far as trying to control it and even later on in the game i never felt like i had pinpoint pinpoint control of this thing uh it always felt very temperamental and touchy to me uh trying to be able to actually to you you're you actually being able to 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 pull it off correctly this is always the event i had the most trouble with
0: And you can also hit the uh, triggers to go to an overhead view, uh, which can help you. It helps me when I'm landing in the targets. The floating targets are still very difficult, no matter what view I'm doing, because you basically have to guess right when to land. It's almost like a leap of faith to land on the floating targets. But the overhead view does help when you're dealing with um, some of the, uh, the bullseye kind of targets. And... I tried out one of the later levels tonight and they have these bouncing targets, Mm -hmm. these bouncing balls that are not only do you have to be dead on straight, but you have to catch them when they're at just the right altitude. Very, very difficult. It was very difficult for me to do but if i uh use the overhead it did help me a little bit i even if you land your dock two points but sometimes for those i did i just landed mm-hmm. right where they were about to land just so i could hit them
1: yeah exactly you have to do that sometimes i think like to be able to pull off, the pull up the necessary moves to finish the course but uh yeah this is like for me this is always the one i had the most problem with this is usually the one where i got the least amount of points with and this is where you, uh and it was and it was rocket pack events where i usually say, it was like okay you know I, Okay, so I only got like in like fifty, like 50 sixty points. Big deal. Like I'll make up another events. Uh, because I was able to, to be usually able to do well enough for like finding events to, to get the passing grade. Um, landing is the easiest part of the, of this event. Uh, definitely not that it's easy per se, but it's certainly easier I think than trying to maneuver through all the rings and bars and everything and everything you have to go through like you said going at the overhead view like really helps. I usually I usually approach it normally and then like and then right before I land I switch over to overhead like to you know like, be able to get that pinpoint precision like be able to land. And
0: and landing's so important because in, I think in all these events if you crash you don't get any points. Correct. They just yep. they just said you failed, that's it. It doesn't yep. matter it doesn't matter how many rings you touched or obstacles you went through. It's very ruthless when it comes to landing. Yeah
1: yep so you have to master landing uh luckily luckily landing in some events is... in some events like is easier than others so we, um yep and a um and we also mentioned before that there's three bonus events that you can get uh by doing certain things in, in these events to unlock to unlock to say unlock a bonus event um to unlock the penguin dive uh you do this like do this in skydiving you have to uh, there's always a moving platform uh, in these events. Uh, very small, very hard to land on moving platform. Sometimes, uh, like sometimes going around in a square formation around the landing site. Sometimes going in a, uh, a line, uh, line up and down. You need to land on this moving platform. If you pull that off, pull that off, and you get to play the uh, penguin dive event next. And this is this is this is this is tricky. I've uh, i never been I've never been able to do this one on purpose. You know, the few times I haven't <laughs> been able to do it, it's like it's by accident. I'm like, oh, I didn't mean to do that. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, um, uh, the the uh, the other two, I think, are actually a little bit easier to pull off. Uh, to do the uh, Birdman event, to, 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 the, the Birdman bonus bonus event, you you do this one in the Rocket Belt uh, event. Uh, you have to land a the platform that you launched from, which basically means you have to like disobey orders and as you turn around and and land on I mean, the and land on the exact same platform that you actually like took off in the first place. Uh, and if you do that then you get to unlock the Birdman event. Uh, and then the last one, the the last one, the birdfly event. Uh you want uh this one you uh, this one yeah this one you can to this one you can unlock during the hand gliding event. Um, the hang gliding events often take place in the same in the same course. Did you notice this, Phil? They they take place in the same course as the skydiving and rocket belt events, usually.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that's why it confused me about the right. landing areas because they had multiple areas right. that exactly. looked like it could have been.
1: Right, but if you make a landing on the quote unquote normal landing for the skydiving and rocket belt events and the hang gliding event, then you get to unlock this the. Uh, uh, this one, uh, the bird fly event. So. So yeah, it's pretty cool that those are in there because the uh, the manual doesn't make any mention of those. Um, so to, like, so it's a true like you know bonus to, to bonus way to, to find those. And, and if you get lucky like, enough have to find one, and if you do well enough in it, you can get like Bokuman Flamer points. So you can like pretty much like bomb everything else like in that like mission like still like a So it's pretty cool.
0: And I, and, I, and I really dig how it's, like, obscure. It's like, okay, mm. I'm a penguin. Yeah. Like, what? And then it's like, <laughs> I'm, I'm a dude with wings. What am I? Am I, like, Howard the Duck? I'm, like, it, it, it's, it's, it's so obscure. But this game, it has a very thin anime kind of feel to it. Mm. This very, anime is very crazy and over the top sometimes. Yeah. And one thing we haven't mentioned is every round you have an instructor who has like an avatar where their mouth moves and, and you know, they don't talk, but they move the mouth moves like they are talking. And these guys have a lot of character and it's always great. It's so great when you either get them really mad (laughs) or you get them like you do something perfect and they like, they have this like face like, wow, that was amazing. You know, it's just their faces are like, like I was doing one (laughs) event and the guy's like, you could keep going, but I don't know why <laughs> you know, they, they say, or they'll be encouraging sometimes or sometimes they will put you down or they'll mm. just look so mad. Like mm. it's going to be really hard for you to make it up at this point. Like it's, it, it's hilarious. I really, I like the personality that all the instructors have. Yeah, definitely. Once
1: again, Nintendo really knows how to pull out the fine touches, like small points, like in the game, because they, uh, they didn't have to. Yeah, because these, yeah, because these instructors did not have to be in the game. They're pretty much, I can't even the most part. Uh, but the manual gives very loving details of like background descriptions, like these background descriptions, like these guys. Um, well, yeah, and girl, there's a girl in there also. Uh, you know what they're like? You know, like full name and ages and you know, ages, history and history or whatnot. And you know, like you said, you know, their their portraits have fine touches. Like you see certain things, like if you like if you mess up with the scowl, if you do very well, the, you know, their eyes bug out of their heads. Um, just like you know, like introductory ma- uh each instructor uh, like each instructor's director, in charge of a certain event um so a uh yeah just really like you know uh different whole bunch of text, whole bunch of choices it just really very very small very very small touches that was not necessary for the game the game still be just as much, as much fun without them, but being in the game really presents a whole a whole, a whole level of a um uh of realism and just fun to the game the Nintendo always uh, but, but, but they always knows how to do in their games just just like so so well. Uh, it's very really great having them in the game because it kind of feels like, you know, like they can be encouraging. You know, they can really help you out. They can really be dismissive, like you just said. Uh, it just you know, it almost feels like, like you know, if, like a teenager playing this playing this in the game was new. It, it really kind of felt like uh, the encouragement or the or, or the, the like the that you get from the from like, them really. Really adds to the sense of realism and and to find a sense of fun uh, as far as playing the game goes. So uh, um, yeah, so uh, we talked about the uh, speaking about these courses. We talked about the graphics, the graphics a little bit here. Um, the graphics. Oh, like, wait wait a minute. We gotta talk about the helicopter. Well uh, well yeah. I was gonna cover that. You know at the end. but We can do it like right oh. now. Um, yeah, um uh, this is the helicopter missions are hinted at in the manual. The, the manual doesn't actually tell you directly what triggers these or, or what happens, but it does but it does mention, you know, there are there are there are there are special helicopter courses that you can access later on in the game. Here's like here's the controls for them, blah blah blah, that kind of stuff. Um there are two helicopter courses uh like in the game. Uh, after you finish the first of uh, four missions uh, like in the game, you receive an event that Nintendo kind of puts in a bit of like silly storytelling here, like they do in their games. Uh, apparently, your apparently your foreign instructors have apparently your foreign instructors were on their way to a conference somewhere and like they've all been kidnapped uh, by a terrorist group, uh, like a, a terrorist group, like an island. So uh, you, being the top instructor, are being given
0: command of a helicopter to go in there and rescue them. Because so, why not? I yeah. mean, <laughs> if that's what you've been preparing for: skydiving, gliding. I mean, helicopter. Why not? Just throw them in there. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I just, like, you know, um, yeah, this, uh, this, this really feels out of place in the game almost because it's like, you know, you're oh, going yeah. through a very, because like this game is very, this is something I was going to, uh, type, uh, uh you know, bring up later on, uh, with you, Phil, especially like in your situations and you have kids and everything. But this is very, this is a great family friendly, non-violent game. Uh, because like the events, the early events could be done by kids like very easily. Um, yeah, um, there's no violence uh, bounds in the game i mean yeah
0: I and when you crash it's like looney tunes yeah exactly. so if you can if you can if, if you can take you know Wiley e. coyote plunging into ground 15 feet and popping up that's kind of how the feel of the game is when you crash so yeah it's it's got a very comical feel to it
1: yep and then all of a sudden you had this like helicopter mission kind of like break up the action per se where you're doing shooting and there's actually like you know the i mean it was actually but you know these like these helicopter courses are actually very intense, very difficult action oh, action packed. Very
0: difficult. Very uh, difficult missions,
1: and just like you know, it kind of feels like, I guess Nintendo put them. Um, I I feel like I feel like Nintendo put these in the game because they're like, well we well we need to have some action. We need to actually have some like you know some some hair raising, blood curling adrenaline pumping action mission to keep the kids like the, 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 they to lure the kiddies in uh, with, like, you know, to give them incentive, like, to keep playing the game. Even though, even though you do, even though you don't access the first half card mission until, uh, until after, until like we said, until after you finish the first four missions of the game. So I kind of feel a bit out of place. But, yeah. Uh, but having said that, you know, these are fun to do.
0: Um, maybe for you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh my goodness, I, I, I'm, and maybe it's because I'm not used to them fully because I just tried them out for the first time today. But I was like. Oh my goodness. How hard is this? It was, I found it to be very difficult. I just kept getting blown out the sky. You get one hit. Yep. You you have the ability to increase your speed and decrease your speed. And when you do, you're basically doing that for altitude reasons. Yep. If you want to lower the altitude uh, and there's all these like um, little circle areas on the course that are basically missile silos that shoot out like a group of three missiles at you as you're flying that you can, You can – if you're brave enough, you can target and you can destroy by hitting one of your triggers to fire a missile. And you're given unlimited missiles so you can just fire away. But what made this really hard for me, Greg, is that um, you don't – I didn't see the missile silos until like the last second because the top portion of your screen is your status bar. And so by the time I saw them, it was too late for me to maneuver almost. I almost wish that they put the status bar on the bottom so I could – have more because, like I said, this feels a lot like Desert Strike. It happened before Desert Strike came out, but Desert Strike you could plan in advance. You know, you had radar screens, you had map screens, and you could kind of take a more methodical approach. This one was much more harder because by the time you see them, they can shoot at you. And there's even some that shoot at you out of the jungle that I don't think you can destroy. I don't know. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like out of nowhere. You
1: can destroy them, but you have to get a precise hit, which can be a little bit difficult to too difficult to land because to land because, like you said, you. So you don't see them, so you're pretty much just trying to shoot shoot where you think that they're actually located at. Um, yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Uh, the helicopter itself, I think, is kind of fun to fly. It's a bit difficult to control, um, but it, um, but uh, but uh, but but to, to its credit, I do feel like this handles like a helicopter because you actually have like uh, uh, because so we say, uh, because like you said, you have the you have the uh, you have the alt-two controls. Uh, which is the rudder throttle? Uh, which is how you do that? Uh, you can go forward, back, left, and right by using the pitch controls. Um, it's not that bad to get the hang of trying to actually um, trying to fly correctly to be able to land. To, trying to fly correctly to be able to land your hits up correctly, whole different story. But the yeah. actual but the actual flying the helicopter itself is pretty good, I
0: think. No, it's it's good. I just wish I had more time to prepare for the enemies. Yes. You know, yeah, and I definitely. think it sounds good too. I think the the sound of it is pretty and the music gets more tense. It definitely feels yeah. out of place. But I'll tell you this, when I I don't know if it was a Nintendo Power or a player's guide or something, but the first time I saw this in a magazine, I was like, wait, what? There's a helicopter mission in this game where you blow up stuff? Cool. You know, <laughs> it, it really took and it really does have, like I said, a chop lifter kind of feel to it versus uh, a chop lifter slash desert strike kind of feel. It's very unique. And it, but it, it's like, where did this come from? You know, because, you know, outside of the helicopter, I, I finally came up with a way to describe this game. I would call this a flight course simulator. Mm. Okay, instead of a flight simulator because you have all these different courses, but man, then they throw the helicopter in and it's yeah. like an it's like an overhead action shoot 'em up style yeah. game almost. Yeah. And you need to
1: yes, and you need to finish this like if to you'd to unlock the other four missions, the four missions, the four missions that are in the game. Uh, because basically the game is divided into parts. You have the you have the beginner part and the like the advanced part, And you cannot and I have the passwords, of course. You can't access the advanced the advanced four missions unless you actually finish this, I finish one. So it's, it's like it took me a lot of a lot of effort, a lot of a lot of trial to be able to get through this uh, mission. Uh, back when I had the game uh, new back then, so. Um,
0: and 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 so help me out here, Greg. So is the goal of the mission just to land on the platform? Does it not matter like how many people? you've just dis- how many silos you destroyed just Correct. as long as you yep. land safely yes yep. but do you have to basically clear out the last like because the the last landing pad is surrounded by silos mm. do you have to blow them all up to get it or can you just kind of hope for the best as you land that they won't hit you
1: uh you you both you definitely need to clear out some of these some of those some of those f- f- firing turrets are around the landing point to be able to land correctly but you don't need to. Um, but I didn't have to like uh, clear all of them out. As long as you, as long as you clear enough of them out to clear a path for you to land, and then just kind of, uh, uh, just letting like, them like land quickly. Uh, like there's a gap in the firing coverage. Uh, so thinning them out enough to be able to allow you for a safe cone, a cone to land is all you need to really do. Because um, you're not, because you're not actually rescuing, you're rescuing, rescuing your directors per se. They've already. Uh, they've already been rescued there's uh, all, you're is, uh, like, all you're doing is like you doing is like evacuating them uh, by laying this like uh, a point uh, and then after that right after that the game just assumes that you get that you load them up and get them out of there safely so
0: and uh, one nice thing though about the the because I dabbled a little bit in the expert mode is that it changes to nighttime and yes, I think it, it look I think the scenery looks great at night I think it really shows off some nice colors that mm. uh, again I'm not used to because I just I mean, any any system can do blue clouds, you know. Right. But but I think the nighttime stuff, even the title screen changes. Yep. If yep. you go to put in the password again or retry, and I think it just looks sharp at night.
1: Yes. Yep. It, they did. Yep. I took a page from SimCity, like for that one. Uh. Uh. uh you remember how SimCity has a SimCity has like has, a, has has an opening screen that beautiful shot about that city at night. Um. Uh. uh it, kind of a similar thing going on here once uh, mm-hmm. you actually get to the, uh, the the advanced area, but uh, um, if you thought the first helicopter mission was tough, oh boy, uh, you you do it again at like the end of the game to actually you would know, actually beat the game. After you finish uh, missions five through eight are the advanced tra- the, the the advanced uh, missions, and we're also going through the events, and then and then like and then you do the helicopter mission again, except this time you do it at night, so your visibility is almost nothing. So if you thought the first one was tough, oh boy!
0: <laughs> but it does seem like it's the exact same uh, this exact same course, just dark. Exactly, and there's more gun emplacements. So, so, yeah.
1: so uh, it took me it took me probably two months to get there to to, to finish this one back then. Wow.
0: Before,
1: oh, no. before I finally finished it, like beat the game. So, uh, so yeah, like I said, like I said earlier, the difficulty curve. Starts, starts off very, 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 very gentle, very, very gradual. At the end, you're talking die-hard gamer to like you to beat this game.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So it's very interesting about that. It's so just like you know, because the game starts off because the game starts off very, very deceptively easy, and then like you know, like uh, then by the end, you got to be you got to be an expert like an expert an expert player to be able to do some of those a uh, some of those some of some of those final missions because not only because not only the missions be done at night the The score requirements also the score requirements are also increased by a huge amount, so you need to be able to master those courses, like you know, like um, and be able to do them almost like blindfold to be able to to, to, to rack up enough points or advance. So um, yeah, very, 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 the, the, the very challenging. Not that I really mind that too much. I mean the game, I mean the game, the game certainly offers a lot. Of, the, game, the game, certainly offers a lot. Uh, like offers a lot, of, offers like a lot of like, you know, replay value. Um, you know, like you know, try to get through. You know, to try to like tackle the events and do well enough and be able, uh, well enough in them to be able to advance. Just a lot of, if you have patience, if you have the time, as long as you have like you know uh, decent, g- decent, decent skills, um, you can manage, to, like you can manage to make it through the game. It, it, it doesn't require most missions at least don't require lightning fast reflexes or, 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 or like you know like um uh, or like you know cheats or like you know like tricky things. Like if you screw up, you you know why you screwed up. Um, right right
0: uh, and, it's, and it's very addictive too with yes. the fact that it's like it, you just want to retry it you know and and, you, and because there's so few events you're talking you know for at the most and because they're so quick it does have that okay let me try that one more time mm-hmm. okay let me try that oh i was so close let me try it again so it yeah. does have that little addictive nature to it
1: yeah you can finish off four events in about like, maybe like 10 to 15 minutes if you want to so it, like but like there's like a huge time sink if you want to beat the game that's that requires a time sink, <laughs> uh, but the actual missions themselves go by, you know, pretty fast. So, um, so let's talk about its graphics. Uh, the graphics for this game are very, very good, especially for it being a launch title. I think this, um, uh, I think this game holds up very well even the years to come with some of the more graphically superior Super NES games that came out. Uh, because besides the most 7 effects, um, both the overall, the overall, the overall courses themselves are very well laid out. Again, as we mentioned. There's there's beautiful courses on it because each course is a little bit different like each course you have like you have you have daytime and then you have like nighttime and you also have like sunrise slash sunset and you also have you have oceans you have jungles you have beaches and just like you know like beautiful scenery just like you know flying by especially the hang glider just you know, the hang glider like like fire, like going by peacefully like okay this is nice just you know like, you know very very soothing um. Like I said, not very really complex graphics, but very, very pleasing graphics. The courses themselves are just a course themselves are, are just like the course, are, like it's very well designed, very well laid out, very good graphics. Um, uh, the Things are flying, look very good, uh, nice detail. Um, te- the the uh, the, uh, the the introduction screens, like these, the uh, the head instructors um, who talk to you about your objectives. There's a very nice shoe There's a very nice a uh, a show up picture. Uh, uh, what you're doing in the background uh, uh, behind the text that looks very nice. So just a um, yeah. Besides the most 7 effects, uh, the graphics themselves like a very pleasing, a um, little bit childish, but not that bad. They're very cartoony. Cartoony. They're very bright, um, and they look really good.
0: Yeah, I think the one criticism I would have, and it's minor, is just like sometimes the grass, the ground is very bland. Like if you get out of uh, an area where you can't see the other targets and you're trying to recorrect yourself, like you can't judge your height by the grass because it's just green. I mean, if you, if you if you could see the details, there is detail to it. But the, by the time you see the detail, you're about to crash into it. So um, mm-hmm. but that's minor. I mean, other than that, this is a pretty I mean, I don't know if it's going to blow a, blow away anybody's socks, but I don't think it was designed to. It just looks nice. It's pleasant. This is that's probably a good word to describe the game as a whole is pleasant. Uh, you know, outside of the the copter combat kind of thing, that's a different feel. Overall, it's just a kind of a laid back kind of game yeah exactly well the mode 7 graphics were certainly very impressive
1: back then when, like the game came out oh, yeah. I mean like you know like both this game and f-zero really showed off that the system could do very very well i thought for different reasons because both those games really made great use of like you know large large detailed sprites and very good mode 7 effects effects like the effects like the scaling the zooming around and whatnot um in fact like in fact in fact i've heard on one podcast i don't remember which podcast it is right now unfortunately but one uh, of the hosts was saying that the host was saying that when he had this game as a kid, his mother got motion sick playing the skydiving
0: events. Uh, oh, I guess I could see that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if you're not used to it, I mean, I, it's not going to make you motion sick like the Virtual Boy will, but I, I could uh, I could understand that, and I think I think F Zero. Does is more graphically impressive with the Mode Seven? Oh yeah, definitely. But I but I but I think Pilot Wings utilizes the Mode Seven better. Right. You know, yep. and that's kind of interesting because it's like every game that came out at launch had to use Mode Seven because Super Mario World you had the boss at uh, was in that uh, clown copter that flew flew towards yep. the screen, and, yep. and I think SimCity had some parts where it zoomed in. I can't remember at the time. I'm, I'm guessing Gradius did too, but every game had, had to have Mode 7, almost like how every CD game that came out on computer had to have full motion video in it or something like that.
1: Well, yeah, because they wanted to show it off. I mean, like, you know, Mode, 7 was really, like Mode 7 was really the thing Nintendo was trying to say, you know, look, our system's graphically superior, like the Genesis, like, here's why. Um, like, not only because uh, the processor itself could do more colors than the Genesis could, uh, but the Mode Seven certainly allowed, uh, certainly, uh, certainly allowed them to leg up, uh, leg up, like in the old bragging, uh, claim, like for the, uh, f- like the console wars back then, like you know, and and they wanted to make sure that the launch game showed off, showed off what the Mode Seven could do, uh, very, very well. It, it took, um, it, it took, it took Sega having to come out, could come out with their own special chip later on, uh, to try to duplicate the Mode Seven effects on Genesis, and but, you know, came out, and that chip. Was it, they only ended up being used like one game, uh, uh, the virtual racing game. So, um, yeah, uh, graphi- uh, graphically, uh, graphically, this game really did a nice job, uh, a nice job, a nice job of showing, of showing, uh, like showing, showing, showing the system could do. Um, and of that to the music and sound effects. Uh, the sound effects, as you already said, are very, very good. Uh, they sound nice. They sound realistic. Uh, they work very well to kind of capture to capture the feel and the essence the, 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 and the essence of the adventure doing. Uh, the music is the music is the music is, is nothing special. It's not earwormy. It, it's not going to remember. It, 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 it's like stuff you're probably not going to remember. After, it, 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 you're probably not going to remember after, after you're done playing playing the game. But in the moment, in the mood, the music the, 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 the music works very well to help, to help, to help, oh, help yeah. again capture the essence, help, to, help, to help capture that feeling of like sucking you into the event and kind of making you for the whole picture, because you got the the, the, because you have the graphics and the music and the sound effects and the scenery and everything all, all, all working together to make for a very compelling, beautiful picture.
0: Right, the, right. I mean, to me, I'd say the music is, is perfect elevator music. It, it hangs out in the background. Like you said, you're not going to probably hum it when you're done. But it fits it perfectly, and I don't. And when I say elevator music, I don't mean it as a knock. It just fits the background perfectly. It doesn't stand out, but it's there and it does its job.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, one more. Like one more cheat I want to share uh, 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 because this because this, because this, this graphical related, and I wish I knew this had known this back then because to would have to use this um, it, during the. Uh, during some of the later missions in the game, when, uh, especially missions 7 and 8 when you're flying, like nighttime events, and also the second helicopter mission, like when it's nighttime, uh, if you want to light up the screen to, to help you see it better, like I going uh, like to do when we're turning up the event like hold down the X button, and the screen will light up for you. Mm. So, just, so, so just a very simple trick that you can do to give some light on the situation to help you out. So... Um, yeah, uh, we already so we already talked about uh, our main our main our main nitpicks and minor complaints for the complaints of the game. Um, besides you know besides what I had, I really don't have too much uh, to say you know to say as far as complaints. Uh, I think it's a game that probably um, it's probably a game it's probably a game that won't you beat that won't you beat. You're probably not going to want to go back to, but then to the, the thing, like I said, the, the, the difficulty ranks the, the difficulty ramps up, ramps up so high toward the end. Uh, it, can, it can take you a long time to actually beat the game. Um, uh, this is a game that you probably. Uh, it's a good game to show up to friends. I don't really think that you're going to be playing the game with friends too much, but it definitely is a good game. I certainly use I certainly use the game to show I, I certainly use the game to showcase the yeah, showcase game uh, to show off this we do shortly after I shortly after got it. Um, it um, it it's not a very good if you're looking for a fast-paced action game, you're going to be disappointed in this because of the fact that the uh, uh, because because the fact that most of the events are very slow-paced. Um, so, uh, if you go into the game expecting that, you're going to be disappointed. If you get the game, however, knowing what it is and what you're doing in the game and what you're, um, like what you're to go for, the game certainly has a lot of fun and, 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 and a replay value that can keep coming back for more and more.
0: Yeah, and, and for me personally, um, I don't think I'll be a guy who ever beats the game. You know, if I owned this as a kid, I might have, but I think I'm just content and happy just every once in a while doing a skydiving and rocket belt event and maybe flying the light plane and trying it out. And that to me is just fine with me. There's some games I don't have to beat to enjoy. This is one of them. Mm -hmm. I just have a good time. I'll play the first three levels over and over again and have just a good time. I was looking at some uh, scores on Moby Games the average critic score is 84 out of 100. The average user score is 3.9 out of 5, which would make it you know, close to 80 out of 100. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like most of the reviewers give it anywhere between a 70 and a 90. And interestingly enough, you know who one of the worst reviewers was of this game? <laughs> um, was uh, Nintendo Power.
1: Yeah. yeah, they gave it a uh,
0: 3.7 out of 5, if I remember correctly. Yeah, they they converted it to 76 for their scale. But that's surprising because whenever I read Nintendo Power, it seemed like they always favored the Nintendo games big time. Like, third-party game, you're going to point below. But, you know, no Nintendo game was right. I was really surprised to learn that. If I was to use my scale, um, which is either Hall of Fame, solid, meh, or trash, I would say that this is a solid game. Mm. Um, The only case I could make for it being a Hall of Fame game is I don't think it's worthy of it to be honest with you. But if I was to make a case for it, it's that it's so unique it almost belongs in your collection if you mm. have a Super Nintendo. And and actually and actually and actually it's for that exact same reason, one of two
1: reasons actually that I would say this game is a Hall of Fame personally because mm. uh, yeah because yeah, yeah because it is like very very unique and I also think very high of it because it is, because it is a great launch game that really shows off shows off shows off very well what the system can do. Um, and it's not just to glorify tech demo, like some people would like, uh, have criticized it just uh, Alex bean um, but there's actually there's actually a lot of a, a lot of fun events that really capitalize on the system very well and what it can do and just to, um as far as the graphics the graphics and sound effects and everything else go it really shows everything up very very well and it holds up very well years later um like you just said like, like you said those reviews people people nowadays love the game as much as you know the game is much uh like the um flag's came out in japan like 25 years ago Uh, and and
0: and actually i think i prefer now i haven't really played a lot of the nintendo 64 version but i own the 3ds version mm. i like this a lot better than the the 3ds version there's just something about it Mm. it's charm and and the way it plays on the super nintendo i just like better
1: yeah yeah, definitely. Let's talk about those like sequels. Um, there was a sequel, as you mentioned, that came out. For the, 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 you know, was the, the, there was a sequel that came out to the camera as you mentioned, like the N sixty four, and that game also was a launch game. Uh, was a launch game like the console again? Like again, Nintendo wanted. To, you know, again, Nintendo wanted to have a game that, that uh, a game of the new console, which launched which launched nineteen ninety six, that to show off to show off to show off the system could do, and they brought Power Wings back. Um, I had this game also. I bought this game when it, uh, bought this game back when I bought it in N64, back when it came out. Uh, I played it. I, I enjoyed it a lot. I agree. I, I don't think it's quite as good as the, uh, quite as good as Super NES title, but it is a very fun game. It really does show off again, uh, again very well. I think what the n 64 can do. Uh, some of the the events are pretty much the same, but they're like enhanced, expanded versions, they expanded re- re- versions of them, and. Um, the game uses the game the the game uses the thumbstick on the controller, uh, controller very well because you're doing some very fine-tuned control in, in that game. Trying to um, uh, with that thumbstick, trying to maneuver exactly landings in particular are a lot or a lot more realistic and complex in that game because you're trying to do pinpoint landings like using a thumbstick, uh, like for example. So uh, it's a good way to break in the co- the good, good it's a good way to break in the controller, like a good way to get used to it. I think. Um, so yeah. It, it, like it's a good game. Not as good as a not as good not as good not as good as, not as, good as game, but still a very fun game. And, and if you have, um, and if you enjoyed Power Wings and have uh, the they have and have and have an 64, uh, this is definitely you know this definitely a game to check out. Uh, it's certainly, uh, again it's again because like you said, the events are so unique. It certainly is. You, um, you're you, you can have a lot worse games worse games in your 64 library uh, than this game for sure. So, we, um. And then, um, there was supposed to be another game in the Power Wing series, 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 like 64, but it never actually happened. Um, that game got pushed back to the GameCube. And then after a couple years, the GameCube version got canceled. And then Nintendo said, well, it's coming out for the Wii instead. And it never actually came out for the Wii. And that game finally came out, uh, again, launch game, uh, for the, I th- like the 3DS, in 2011 um, uh, as Power Wings Resort uh and i've not played this game so maybe phil you can talk about this game for us like, a little bit
0: well it, it to i guess that we kind of cheated a little bit because in wii sports resort i guess they have some uh flying games in there true including skydiving yeah, yeah. and pilot wings resort evidently takes place on the same island as Wii resort we sports resort so uh, there's a little bit of a i guess a tie-in there um the game is first of all, if I if I had one word to describe Pilot Wings Resort, it's very relaxing. Mm. This game was not difficult for me at all. I got through everything. I don't know if I got like every single medal or whatever, but every course I completed. I um, there's three basic courses you could do: plane, rocket belt, and hand hand glider. And so what's kind of a bummer for me was there's no skydiving. Mm, yeah, I really miss that. And this the game is and instead of having um, the courses that you had in the original Super Nintendo version where it's like self-contained, it's like you felt like you were at like a test facility here. You're going around an island. So you're constantly I mean, there's a lot more nooks and crannies. You can die. You can go inside of volcanoes and fly in them and out caves and go under bridges and, and and stuff like that. But, uh, and the rocket, the rocket pack controls better as far as it can stop. Like there's a button you can push to make it kind of just stop right where you're at and then go forward. So you can just kind of hover in place for a second. I wish they had that in the super Nintendo version and it looks very pretty and it has different, you know, nighttime and daytime scenes. And it's a big world to explore. Like you can take your plane and rocket pack and try and go out into the ocean a bit and see if you can find like a a hidden Island. But it's it's really not that difficult. I think there's a lot of picture taking. You can take a lot of pictures. I think that was in the Nintendo 64 version too. <coughs> but uh, yeah, um, it's a game that I got pretty cheap. I think it was brand new, under ten bucks. Mm-hmm. I don't think it sold as as well as Nintendo wanted it to sell. Uh, so I don't. I would have to assume maybe the price has gone up. I don't know, but it, I would have to assume you can get it pretty cheap. Um, I would recommend it for hardcore you know Pilot Wings fans. Who um, want a relaxing time? It, to me, I play my 3DS right before I go to sleep some nights, and this was perfect because it was very relaxing. But like I said, it, the challenge is gone. It's it's not nearly as challenging as there's a lot of missions. There's like over 40 missions I think it says, but there's it, unless you're trying to get like the achievements, you know, that the the very high ones. Uh, yeah, and there's something to be said too. I just I like sprite-based graphics. And this looks more like a Wii game because you have the 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 Mies, you know, your characters a me. And I don't even think I'm I I could be wrong, but I don't recall instructors being a big deal in this game like they were in the original. And, I, and that's one of the charms I liked about the original. Mm,
1: okay. Sounds like, it, yeah, it sounds like, uh, like it sounds like this game even more so than the original game uh, might be like a, great, you know, might be like a great game for kids uh, because if its like you know like peaceful like a nonviolent nature of it.
0: Yeah and and the the difficulty curve is not nearly as high it's a lot more forgiving. There's still some difficult parts but like I said in in the SNES version I've gotten to level 3 or 4 out of 8 and I completed the Pilot Wings resort with a very little problem. Hmm.
1: Okay. Well yeah, so uh yeah, so we don't really know what the future the franchise is going to have then. Uh, if, if uh, um you know if you know if sales of this game are not that great, this may be it for the series. But Nintendo may decide to may decide to make another one to showcase their new console that comes out. Since they like having a Pilot Wing games out, uh, uh, um, I you know since they have launched three other consoles uh, or handhelds in this case, uh, like a Pilot wings game to show off the system, to show show off what the like, system can do. So who knows?
0: Yeah, um, I mean the whole aspect does lend itself to beauty with the islands and the flying. But at the same time, I'd be okay if they don't make another Pilot Wing game because. It really was made for the SNES and the Mode 7, and it really fit it well. And it's hard to replicate that any other way.
1: And if you want to play Power Wings today, uh, the game is available on uh, like a virtual console. Um, and, a, uh, and you can also snag a copy on eBay. And I was shocked when I looked on eBay. This is probably the cheapest Super NES game I've covered so far, like in this podcast. Uh, it is not that expensive. <laughs> uh, probably because, like I said, Phil, the game was in production for so long, uh, and, and there so many copies have been made. Also, and like you know, so combined with the fact that a lot of people, a lot of people who probably already have their consoles already have this game because um, uh, because it was a launch title, and a lot, of, and it, it's, it's probably the equivalent of like you know, like uh, Mario Brothers, like the NDS, or like you know, like uh, Pole Position Two. Like seventeen hundred, it's like it's included in lots, a lot. So a lot of people, like so a lot of people who pick up a system, like probably already get this game, how to go with it. So um, there's no problem finding copy of this game uh, like on eBay. There's 100, there's 123 copies currently selling, with 149 like recently sold, and cart prices, which include shipping, all these prices include shipping. You can, I say, so you, so you can pick up the cart anywhere from like three dollars and fifteen cents to like nineteen bucks. That is cheap for Super NES folks. Uh, like I said, this is the cheapest game I've seen so far. Like in this podcast in like thirty-two episodes. So, and even on CIB, that's not much more expensive. Uh, CIB copies can run anywhere from like ten to thirty-eight dollars.
0: How and much are did, How much are new copies?
1: Can There, you, there was one sealed copy that sold for one hundred forty bucks
0: wow that surprises me because it was such a late release i thought there might be there was a time when a lot of these uh late release snes games you could still buy like i know uh there's a pinball game that was a late release Mm -hmm. and f-zero was was still being produced so you could there was a time where you could buy those sealed you i mean you could buy a case of six of them on ebay oh yeah yep, yeah and um and uh in the store, the Donkey Kong countries were still being produced, all three of them. Right. But I don't... That has the name Donkey Kong, so that drives the price up. I can right. see that. But yeah, that surprises me. That would cost so much even sealed. But, uh, you know, that's that's the thing about collecting for the Super Nintendo is just that cardboard box mm. made it hard to keep anything but the cartridge. Yeah, it wasn't the most
1: durable box. Uh, that's for sure. Um, well... And NES well, like NES boxes, like a pretty fragile also. But they, uh, uh, but yeah, it's pretty easy to damage Super NES boxes. Like the uh, boxes, like about like, like about even like, they I mean to do so. And the piece of cardboard in the in the in the box designed to hold the game snug can rip and tear like very easily also. So,
0: do you have any ba- any games in the box for the Super Nintendo? No, I don't.
1: Uh, back when I back when I had uh, back when I actually had my had like had my Super NES. I saved the box and manuals, but I kept all the games like in a card holder.
0: Yeah, I, I uh I have Super Baseball Simulator a thousand in the box. I, I, I think I found that at a thrift store brand new, sealed hmm. for like four bucks. That was a few years ago. Um nice. I have what else do I have in the box? I, I got this bought this lot off eBay and it had Super WrestleMania and a Madden and an NHL game in the box and i might have super castlevania 4 in the box mm. so, but boxes are hard to come by
1: yes they are a lot, a lot um, uh, with most systems with most systems a lot, a lot of people a lot of, a, lot of, a lot of people a lot of people like didn't like say the boxes um, because uh, space reasons usually and the also fact that also fact and also the fact that they were bought by kids usually, or played by kids, who, who really didn't treasure the boxes and manuals, and 25 years later probably wish that they had. So.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, or they're like me, and they took care of their stuff, but they sold it, and now they wish they didn't, because that's... I was a very picky kid. I kept I kept the box to every game I ever bought. I kept the system boxes. So I, I sold did also, my,
1: yep. Yeah, uh, So when
0: I so. sold my Sega CD and Sega Genesis, I gave them the original Sega Genesis box. I gave them the original Sega CD box. Every game was complete, In its case, unless I bought it from Blockbuster, you know, if it was a Sega CD game and it had that piece of styrofoam inside, I mean, oh, man, I I, it's hard to find collectors who kept care, who took care of their stuff like that, because a lot of kids just threw their games around, you know.
1: Yep. So definitely. Uh, One last power wing question for you, Phil. Um, And just um, just, because I'm a bit curious, uh, because what we said uh, during the course of this podcast, um, have you shown this game like your kids?
0: Uh, no, I haven't showed it yet. Just because my Super Nintendo is not hooked up to the uh, hooked up to the system, I would. Hmm. You know, if it, my I have two TVs in my house, and my Super Nintendo is hooked up to the smaller TV by my computer. And uh, so there's only so much space I have at the main TV. I, you see these pictures of these guys with this game room that could hook up 20 systems to one TV and it makes you just me you know, like, yeah, right. I mean, you must not have a family or you have like an extra room in your house because I don't, man. But I mean, they see the Wii. The, they, they probably see the Wii the most. And my guess is um, they, they might enjoy watching me play it. I don't know if they'd want to play it, to be honest with you. Yeah, I've heard of kids I've heard of kids
1: as young as five being able to actually finish some of these events. Uh, because really is like, like we said, those the early events, they're pretty easy to master. I mean they don't require very much playing away controls and they're so like bright and cartoony and graphic that the kid just really like that you know got into it. Ken was able to play it like an early age. So
0: I could see them wanting to play the three D S version, but Daddy doesn't let him touch his three D S.
1: Too expensive, right?
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, no, no, no. I've seen what they've done with their toys. There's no way they're touching my 3 ds. Uh, well, there's always that evil that evil word, uh, like emulation. <laughs> yeah, they don't. Uh, yeah, the, they do very little on the computer as mm-hmm. well. Daddy Daddy is pretty much an emulation free zone just because I have so many systems I mean I emulate when, I mean emulations a word that's a uh, kind of a catchphrase because it's misused because uh, you know Some of the games that are officially released are technically emulated mm-hmm. You know you get these arcade compilations put out by the original manufacturer. That's emulation yeah. It's a it's 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 legal emulation yeah. because they they did it so I, I Don't have I mean dude. I, I'm old school. I like the controller <laughs> and the cartridge
1: well, there is the Virtual Console that allows you to be able to use the controller, yeah. not the yeah, I, not the original controller, but but. Uh, and yeah. the
0: Virtual Console for me would be perfect for those expensive games that are hard to find. Oh yeah, you like, know, like like Musha on the Sega Genesis. I, I've been tempted to get that on the Virtual Console.
1: Yeah, yeah, making yeah making Super NES connection. There was a lot of rejoicing earlier this year when Earthbound finally came out in the Virtual Console because that's a game that people have that that, that, that because that game that because that's a game that people have been begging to begging on for years. Uh, right. It get like released, but because but it's breaking it held up because the like, fuck it got held up because of rights issues, and Nintendo finally got it all sorted out and put it in the virtual console console and to your rejoiced because that game is wicked expensive. It, if you want to actually like buy oh, a copy, yeah. so um, oh yeah, definitely, and like it, and like, it's also great for it, and uh, and they do a good job of also putting in uh, import games. They never came out here in the states
0: oh yeah so. and, and you know this this would be and i think uh i i mean i know on my 3ds it has save states so i'm guessing it does on the wii too uh this pilot wings would be a fun game with save states it is trust me <laughs> is, where you could just be like oh let's try that again you know you could uh, instead of having to restart the whole you know because yeah. i'm an adult i don't have the time mm. to constantly play so save states are awesome uh with i could see that being awesome with this with this game now, I, I will say this if you're a virtual console fan, buy buy games now because it sounds like Nintendo is abandoning it. They've pretty much said that they're not going to be releasing any more games on the virtual console. Well, actually a third party said that, mm. but it seems to bear fruit because if like when I go on my 3DS and you go into the virtual console, there's like nothing new lately. Mm, so yeah. I think they're because it does take them some time to put it out. And it could be a combination of time, licensing, and just the fact that so many people uh, can emulate it freely that there's probably a lot of people who don't see the need to buy a co- uh, buy it legally when they can just download a ROM. Right. So that, that's the, you know, people who think that uh, emulation doesn't hurt, it, it does. Because if there was an emulation and these games came out, they probably would have sold twice as many. Hmm. You know, not everyone who emulates would have bought them. Right. But there are people who who do say, "Why would I pay another eight bucks when I already got it here yeah, and that's just a, that's just the st- that's just how it is well for
1: me that yeah well, for me, that's probably true because like you know one of the main reasons that I emulate almost entirely these days like including the super NES, uh this is just pretty much cost uh I don't have a lot of money to uh, you know, to spare you you't you know, spare these kinds of things. So I chose to as uh, so I chose to invest my limited funds on trying to get my uh, uh, on trying to get my system as as perfect as as perfect as possible to be able to play all these hundreds of games such as you know such as like you know like having like my you know, like real controllers like hooked up to the system like my USB uh, ports uh, and like having like you know computer upgrades like whatnot um, because like you know. Um, I do try to get legal as much as, uh, legal as much as I can. I do have a whole bunch of older, um, you know. Uh, um, I'm also a huge advocate of GOG and Steam, where you get like hundreds of hundreds like of older like older games and buy them, you, you know, buy them on there legally. But it's more, but it's harder with console games to get them legally. And there's also the fact that, like I said, because they're on the console, like you just said, when they yank that, those games are gone probably. So, or at least with the mm-hmm. computer, I keep backup copies. So um right so like there was that like going for it also so uh yeah i'm mean, like you know i would never actually do anything that's that's modern or still like store for sale um like you know i don't have anything or uh old and like you know playstation playstation like playstation or like, yeah. playstation or n64 games um but uh yeah it's um it, it's definitely tricky but a uh but yeah, in this case, but but yeah, in this case, uh, emulation for the Super NES is definitely you know definitely a way to go to to help you travel those games after games we're talking about here in the podcast because uh, because because you, because, uh, because you guys probably know, Super NES prices are in a bubble like right now, so those games are so those games are very like those games are very expensive. And but I,
0: I I will say this though, if you're looking to buy the actual cartridge, i bought and sold just thousands of retro games. Mm-hmm. They hold their value well. They do. They I mean it's not like it's not like you're going to buy um Earthbound for whatever 200 bucks I don't know what it is but it's up there right It's not like if you bought Earthbound today that tomorrow it would the price would drop in half hmm. It's not happening you know you at the worst you might lose a few bucks but most of the games I bought see I did this uh I started doing this in college and I just keep doing this cuz um eBay's become my library my uh retro gaming library I'll buy a bunch of games, and by the time I sell them, I made money on them. Right. You know, by the time I turn around and sell them. And, and so if you're looking into doing that, you know, what I'd recommend is just start with a couple games. Be patient on eBay. Do your research. Find out what the going rate is. Try and get a good deal. Buy it in a lot. And then when you sell them, you'll make a few bucks, and you can put that back into buying more games. And the next thing you know, you can build up a nice library. You know, and and my goal is not to keep games. I'm not a collector collector. I want to, by the time I'm done with my my show on YouTube, I want to be down to maybe 100 physical games at the most.
1: I see. Yeah. Okay.
0: You know, but I I tell you something, uh, some of the stuff you you hunt around, you find a few good deals, and the next thing you know, you can get, you can have the original, you know, to those people out there who don't have the original uh, system, find a good deal. And Get some games and just let it pay for itself. If you're a good buyer, you can do that. You know, buy from trusted people, but you can do that. Mm,
1: yep, exactly. So, uh,
0: so, uh, yeah, so, uh, Power Wings
1: is definitely like a great game. If you haven't played it, you should check it out. It shows out the system, it uh, shows the shows, 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 up shows the system, system like very well. Uh, a lot of unique fun events to hold up very well today. Uh, great family game, uh, you know. Just because of the events and the events and the relatively low violence in the game, uh, like I said, like I said, the only shooting in the game actually happens by those two bonus helicopter missions.
0: And that's uh, not really that bad either. Yeah, it's just—I so. mean, it's it's nothing. Real. I'd let my kids watch me play it, or if they really wanted to, I'd let them try it. Right. So, uh, yeah. So, um, thank you very much
1: for coming on the podcast with me again, Phil, and for talking about this, like you know, great launch game. I appreciate it very much.
0: Hey, I I got some feedback. Go, go ahead lay it on us so so before i uh, came on I, I i went on my twitter and my uh, facebook either one just search for the no Sword gamer and i asked people what they thought of pilot wings i was just curious and the grand emperor i don't know if you've heard of him but he has a uh, retro video game blog okay and he said that it's a great game and not too serious it's refreshing to playing after hardcore flight simulators pilot wings resorts is awesome too um, Lord Chadwick, who's part of the retro junkies network said when I was a kid, I didn't really like it because there was no shooting, but now, but maybe he didn't get to the helicopter stage like me, but now I like it quite a bit. The music is relaxing and the gameplay is fun yet. Also relaxing. Really one of those games you're looking, if you're just looking to chill, uh, Tom said, fantastic game. Love the music and graphics. Matthew cried that he doesn't have an SNES and Alvaro said, awesome game. Are you going to review it? The music is great. Hmm.
1: There have been some very good remixes of the music that uh, the music uh, of the music that Nintendo did. They remixed some of the they remixed some of the some of the songs with some of their albums in later years, and you can find those on YouTube to listen to. Uh, they're pretty good remixes, um, you know. Uh, like I said, the music never left the like I said the music never left a lasting impression impression on me like outside of the game, but these remixes are very good.
0: I could see a jazz remix of this stuff. Yeah. I don't know. I think I could.
1: So, so uh, yeah. Uh, Great! Uh, I certainly appreciate the fact you're able to get some feedback like this because, yeah, you, you know, like we said in the podcast, this game this game holds up very well, just as well today like it did like uh, back when it came out. So, uh, mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah, so um, I appreciate I appreciate you coming on the podcast. We begin, Phil. Um, uh, we are going to be uh, the next episode. I'm not really quite sure what's going to be. Uh, it, it's going to be another guest host. A guest host. It, it kind of depends upon. Uh, what order that people that people come on to talk with me about it and some other games. Um, uh, I Will say I will say I, I will say that we are still going to do the Ninja Gaiden Trilogy episode that a lot That, that their episode that the episode that and I was when I was like we're gonna do uh, Aaron from, Aaron from virtual obscura is gonna come on here and talk about that with me uh, That may be the next episode that may not It, it, um, it Kind of depends upon some of the uh, some some of the scheduling shenanigans that happen in the, in the, in the next couple months um, so stay tuned for the uh, stay tuned to uh, uh, to Facebook, like for updates, and you can contact me through Facebook or send me an email at the s n e s podcast at yahoo and and the show is also available on uh, is also available on iTunes and also and also Libsyn. Uh, not all episodes are up on Lipson yet because should be, should be, should be because I only upload a certain amount of episodes per month, uh, so I beg patience and uh, as, as I slowly. And I slowly get the back catalog the, the back catalog, like updated on there. Um, and uh, and uh, like I said, at the beginning of the podcast, there's a new podcast uh, that George and I are going to be doing, the PlayStation PlayStation uh, uh, Podcast. Um, actually, the official name of that is PlayStation Power. Um, that's also going to be bi-weekly, and that should be coming out. The first episode's already out, and that episode we're going to be recording again next week. So that's going to come out on opposite weeks of the Super NES Podcast. Um, so uh, I certainly have a lot of affection for the affection of PlayStation. And George has, been, George has been on this podcast before in the, before in the past, to, past to talk about UN Squadron, and he's a, he's a great guy. Uh, makes me feel very very old because he's like 20 years younger than I am. So <laughs> mm. um, you know, he was a kid. The age the age difference the age difference of the PlayStation the PlayStation of the two of us is shocking because he was a kid when PlayStation PlayStation came out. Where did I buy the system in college? So. The age, the age difference is just shocking between the two of us. So we're gonna have some very unique perspectives on the system, I think. Hopefully. Um. So we, um, um. So uh, Phil, uh, you said that you had a little bit of experience, experience, experience with PlayStation. Like you had one back then.
0: I did. I really wanted a PlayStation Two when it came out. I didn't have a PlayStation. I got out of gaming a little bit and then when I got back into it, um I I I had a retro like a uh, a rewind kind of phase where I started where I bought my first Nintendo mm-hmm. and I and I bought an Atari 7800 again and and actually I was a Sega fan, so I did get a Sega Saturn during mm-hmm. the PlayStation era. So I I I I've, I've enjoyed some of the some PlayStation games have not aged well. True. Some have. Yep. You know, um, I, I can come on when you guys talk about Smurf Racer. I do have that. Um, not the best game. Uh, Bust a Move Two, you guys got a review. That's a yeah, great that, game. yeah, definitely. that's a yep, great yep, game. fun game.
1: There were a lot of great, a great, uh, retro compilations available available oh, on PlayStation. Yeah. PlayStation. Also, it was like you know, Activision Anthology is awesome.
0: Especially on the PlayStation Two, the yeah. Capcom Arcade Collections. Oh man, yeah. those and the Sega Genesis Collection that came out, and it and it even has a very interesting Sega collection of remakes of mm-hmm. famous Sega arcade games. Yes.
1: Yep. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, yeah, I've had affection affection for the system. Um, it's probably my third favorite system, uh, like of all time, like the NES being first, the Super NES being second, um, the PlayStation. PlayStation library is great for RPGs because I'm a big like RPGer so there's a lot of like there's like three RPGs there's a lot of excellent uh, role playing games on the system uh, and like in fact in fact I'd be hard pressed to say which system which system is better RPGs the Super NES the Super NES the Play, the PlayStation they,
0: they, Oh, that's they, a that's a good question yeah
1: because both those consoles uh, consoles filter are filter like I filter great RPGs so um, yeah, this yeah this is yeah this was the greatest yeah this was a greatest this was a greatest greatest system I have in college because because like we'd often play, uh, sporting games uh, uh, like whatnot um or like you know, uh, or some of the racing games like whatnot and they um and they uh, had a lot of fun with some of the some this some of the great franchises uh, franchises got their start in the system uh which I really enjoyed a lot back when it came out such as like you know like, uh, the Tomb Raider games and Resident Evil. Meta- uh, Metagear Solid. Uh, those are all. Those are all excellent games uh, that are still going strong. They're they to they starting on, 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 on starting the PlayStation. So, and PlayStation prices are pretty cheap right now. PlayStation PlayStation emulation like, is very very good now. As long as you have a as long as you have a modern system, uh, you can get a pretty good library of the system for, for a system for not that expensive and now's and now's the time to get to now's time to get to, to, to now it's time to get the library yeah. phil i'm talking to you directly here because um <laughs> we are starting to see uh that bubble of people who are of the age were in the late 20s and 30s who are nostalgic nostalgic like Super Nintendo genesis and, and 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 the ones are jacking the prices so much because you get uh, so much so much so much to because you get to consoles in a couple of years that's gonna be the playstation yeah of- because those people, that's not that that is over 20 years old now. So that's uh, uh so, 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 so once people, so when those kids get to the of an age pretty soon, where they have to suppose one comment, want to they want to collect on it, that would rather prices up. So yeah, if
0: you wanna if you wanna collect PlayStation, Xbox, uh Saturn, Saturn's actually pretty pricey. GameCube, uh, uh PlayStation 2. This is the time to buy them. This the, it really is because we're going to see that bubble come up, but. The place, another game I liked on the PlayStation, Crash Team Racing, might be one of the best kart racers outside of Mario Kart.
1: I don't think I've actually played that one.
0: You guys should try it out. It's 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 excellent. It's it's one of the best. It has a great battle mode, and a great just standard course mode as well.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Yep. Okay. Uh, yeah. Thanks for the recommendation. Um, so, what podcasts and projects, they're you know, projects, projects that you currently working on, Phil, and where can they find you at?
0: Well, uh, you can find me on Facebook and Twitter. Search for the no Gamer. I also have a, a Facebook page just for my podcast, the Atari 7800. 7800- game-by-game podcast even if you're not familiar with the atari 7800 come by check uh have a listen i go i try and cover everything i try and cover if i'm talking about a game that was released in the arcades i try and do the history of that game and the company that originally released it if it's the first time i covered it my next episode coming up is episode 19 it's going to cover donkey kong and donkey kong jr yes nintendo games We're on the Atari 7800, and in that episode, I am going to cover the history of Nintendo as well as the Donkey Kong series, and my bet is you'll learn something. Even if you think you know a lot, my goal is to to teach you one thing you didn't learn before about that. So go ahead and check out the Atari 7800 Game by Game podcast. You can find that on iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube if you want to stream it through YouTube. Speaking of YouTube, I have a channel there called The No Swear Gamer. Family-friendly reviews, over 200 episodes now. uh, Up, I've been focusing a lot on the pre-16-bit stuff. So you're talking Nintendo, Atari 2600, 7800. I've done some Sega Master System and Genesis. I even re- I even sometimes do weird uh, reviews. Like I've just reviewed a Pac-Man magnetic maze game that came out in the early '80s. Very fascinating thing there. I reviewed the Funko Jaws figure because I like <laughs> sharks. I've uh, I've done Alex Kidd and Shinobi World for the Sega Master Systems, like obscure games. Check that one out. I've done Commando on both the NES and 7800. And how about this? E.T for the atari 2600 not only have i reviewed the game i just posted in one of the coolest easter eggs you'll ever see i i can't believe that they jammed this stuff into the et uh 2600 game i tell you what if you think et is the worst game ever made come to my show i will show you probably 20 to 30 games that are worse than et and, and you got to check out that et easter egg have you ever seen this easter egg
1: yes i have uh, oh, uh i stuff. watched the video when you posted a couple days ago it's a great video. Um, uh, E.T. came up uh, because uh, Ferg, who does the Tart 22nd Gamma Game Podcast, really the granddaddy uh, a of a lot of these retro podcasts who, insp- uh, who inspired a lot of us, myself included. Uh, his next game is going to be uh, E.T. So I've already sent an audio submission for that game with my memories and thoughts of it. And it's going to be, I'm expecting about... Uh, three-hour episode uh, for this one. It it
0: might be. There's (laughs) going to be a lot of memories with E.T., and hopefully we will firmly debunk the myth that it is the worst game of all time. I am very, very laid back when it comes comes to other people's opinions on games because I think it's great that we have differing opinions, but when it comes to ET, if you tell me it's the worst game of all time, you lose my gaming respect. I'm like, seriously, have you just not played any games, and have you even played the game for more than two seconds? So, that's my one pet peeve in gaming is when people call it the worst game of all time.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I don't want, um, you know, I don't, um, I don't want to tip my hand just yet uh, on what I thought about the game, but I'll agree, it's definitely not. Uh, but I agree, it doesn't belong like on that list of like you know worst games, like worst games like the system. So yeah. hey,
0: you want a, you want a game that's worse than ET and it's on the Super Nintendo, and I did a review of it, Space Football One on One. Oh my goodness, it tries to be ballblazer and fails miserably. Oh wow, yeah, uh, yeah. I hope you don't have to cover that on your show, <laughs> but that was, it was an early release, but that was a. Terrible game. Yes, the SNES had some bad games too. Every system does. Of
1: course, yes, uh, exactly. But uh, we're trying to focus more on the more on the at least at least average games on here, if not the better <laughs> games, because the library is so huge that you know we had to. I definitely I definitely had to put in some restrictions uh, restrictions on games.
0: Well, uh, and it's it's so big that really a lot of the games you're doing are some of the best on the system. It, the the system has like probably at least a hundred solid titles if not more oh yeah so you got plenty you got right. plenty man
1: right so <laughs> uh i may do an episode later on as a bonus episode kind of like you know talking about uh you know like you know like, like you know just give me some brief coverage to me like you know the 10 my personal opinions like on the 10 worst games on the system uh oh
0: that, that that'll be fun <laughs>
1: But, uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, okay, okay,
0: real quickly, give me one game, one of your top bottom ten uh, worst games.
1: Ooh, uh, off the top of my head. I um, mean, like, let me think. Um, well, uh, that football game you covered is interesting because it's said because they that was didn't play it until you actually did it and then i tried it out and yeah uh, yeah it's actually bad
0: um <laughs> well wow, um, you actually played it that's yeah. crazy
1: um for me personally another game this is actually this kind of ties into ties t- ties in this episode because this is also an early like an early super nes launch game uh i'm sorry like an early super nes release game that, that has a lot of flying in it um have you heard, Phil, uh, like about the like about the uh, like about the classic game uh, Wings uh, that Cinema uh, CinemaWare did in the mid '90s, like the Amiga?
0: I've I've heard of it, yeah. so I'm somewhat familiar with it. But I also and I think they tried to re-release it too. They, they may did. try There's, to do a Kickstarter yeah. or something yeah. on it. Am I thinking right? Yep, they did. Uh,
1: they did remake it. It came out last year. It's a great game. I have it. Uh, like it's a very nice remake, it's like the original game. Uh, yeah, Wings is a great game. It's, it's a wonderful, like it's wonderful. It's a wonderful World War One uh, flight sim slash action game. We're flying like an Allied plane, shooting down German planes, and, and bombing, and bombing, and doing bombing runs in various, in various missions co- like the course of the war. Uh, really great game, uh, or a great game, for, like for like for reasons. The reason, I, the reason I bring it up is because that Namco published a pseudo sequel to the game of the Super NES called Wings Two Aces High which kind of tries to recreate some of that stuff and fails miserably. The game is so boring. <laughs>
0: oh man. So uh, I hate, I'll give you one tidbit too. Cause I did a review on this game. You want know, to know one game that a lot of people praise on the super Nintendo that doesn't excite me really? Yoshi's Island, super Mario world Two. That is controversial. Uh, there you go. There I, is I drop a drop of bomb. Yeah. Like, uh,
1: there's, there's a lot of people, with, there's a lot of people who love the game. Uh I think it's okay. I don't. I, I don't think it deserves the high praise it gets, but it did. Um, you know, but it can be a very fun game. It certainly. It certainly. Like it certainly does. The game certainly looks like very nice. The uh, the graphics. The graphics. You see the graphical scheme that they use in the game is that the 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 the, 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 use in the game is excellent. But the main drawback in the game for me, the main thing that I hate about it, that freaking crying baby Mario. Oh my
0: goodness. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And for me personally, and the, this will be my last tidbit, is that I don't like the egg throwing mechanic because I feel like it stops the flow of the game. Because you have to, like, stop, shoot, stop, shoot. Where Mario, typically, you just run and jump. Plus, I don't like the game because it, it basically ended the Mario series for a long time.
1: Mm. Yeah. And it's a shame about that crying, the, the crying baby Mario, too, because the music in the game is quite good. The, the soundtrack of the game is excellent, I think. Oh, yeah. It's, so, it's, it's but, great. But, uh, yeah. So, uh, uh, I will say this. I think the GBA port of the game improved some of the rough edges. Uh, it certainly is a better version of the game than the, uh, uh, the what came originally originally the Super NES. Yeah,
0: so. but it, it lost some of the special effects with it because hmm. it didn't it didn't use the uh, Super FX chip, two, I think it was.
1: Yeah, well, uh, it's also a lot cheaper to get than the Super NES version, that's for <laughs> sure. So. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but uh, um, anyway, Phil, thank you again for come in podcast with me. Um, thanks for having me. We may have you on again at some point in the future. There certainly are a few games that you and I have already talked about, like off mic that maybe we can also, uh, chat about at some point at some point later on. So, um, you've been very gracious to help me out with this podcast, help to, to help to fill, to help to fill some of the void, uh, until I can get like a more permanent, a permanent guest host, uh, permanent host back on the, back on the podcast. So, um, keep doing the great work like in your own podcast, like in your own YouTube show. And a. um, Thank you again for coming on with us.
0: Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. And uh,
1: and up next, uh, I have a special. Uh, and up next, like listeners, uh, I have have a special um, I have uh, I have a special have a special treat. Uh, somebody somebody was trying to get on the podcast, but I couldn't uh, because of his, couldn't because of schedule and conflict and everything and conflict conflicts of that for everything, but but kind of sending an audio submission. You've heard him on many of the different podcasts in the past, and he's now doing his own podcast, the Jaguar Game-by-Game Game podcast. Uh, Shinto uh, sent me an anonymous submission talking about his own Super NES memories uh, and history. Uh, spoiler, very similar, to, uh, like very similar to Phil as far as some of his uh, uh, experiences, uh, experiences go, I think, as far as, uh, as, far as, as, far as the system. So, thanks stay tuned for that.
0: Yeah, and spoiler alert, Shinto is great, so enjoy this edition of Shinto Says.
2: For a couple of years now, I've been submitting audio segments to shows like the Atari 2600 Game by Game podcast, the Atari 5200 Super podcast, the Atari 7800 Game by Game podcast, the Atari Lynx Game by Game podcast, and maybe soon, the Atari XEGS Cart by Cart podcast. I also have a show of my own, the Atari Jaguar Game by Game podcast. You might be thinking, whoa, this guy is some sort of weird, die-hard Atari fan. And that's just, well, that's certainly true, but it doesn't really tell the whole story. While I have certainly leaned heavily, very heavily, toward Atari systems growing up, that does not mean that I shunned the other platforms. Owning an Atari 7800 in the days the Nintendo Entertainment System ruled the land, I, I of course, had a certain fascination with the NES. The games were were so different, Metroid and Mario and the like. Uh, from the arcade-style games that I played on the 7800. But this fascination never turned into an actual purchase of the console. I played the Nintendo at friends' houses, but stayed with the Atari at home. When the Super Nintendo came out, I had already been enjoying 16-bit gaming on my Atari Lynx, but uh, that outsider fascination didn't wane at all. I remember looking at SNES systems at pawn shops, I uh, used to go to pawn shops quite a bit in those days looking for good deals on electronics. I would see an SNES behind-the-counter plugged into a TV playing Super Mario World, and it, it looked great. I liked the purple accents of the console. They were they were different and distinctive. Um, but still, that didn't translate into an actual purchase of the console. It remained there behind-the-counter. Eventually, though, the Super Nintendo did win us over, my brother and I, and we walked into Babbage's and bought the $99 core unit which came with uh, just the console and a controller. We bought a second controller, the cheapest one they had, which was this cheap quick shot gamepad. Uh, it was uh, two shades of gray with colored fire buttons, and uh, start and select were on this painful rocker in the middle. It was far inferior to the stock SNES controller, um, and as soon as I could afford it, I bought an ASCII pad with individual rapid fire switches for each button, but that was at least a year later. In fact, I'd, I'd forgotten about that cheap little quick shot controller until just recently when I was flipping through an old electronic gaming monthly magazine researching a tangent for my show. We bought a couple games that day as well. Uh, you know, a core unit isn't much fun by itself, but I don't remember exactly which titles. If I were to guess, I would say it was Super Double Dragon and Bill Lane Beer's Combat Basketball. They can't all be winners. But in defense of Bill Lane Beer, my brother was slash is a huge basketball fan, and that was the cheapest basketball game they had there at Babbage's that day. We played it, you know, bought this new advanced video game console, and played Bill Lane Beer's combat basketball. Double Dragon we had played in the arcade and on our Atari 7800, so super Double Dragon. We had a lot of fun with that one. It rates a, uh, what, uh, D minus on the video game critic, but uh, it was a good time. Enjoyed that one. Eventually, we moved on to other, better games like Super Smash TV and NCAA Basketball and Alien 3. I'd borrow Street Fighter II and uh, Super Star Wars from my best friend. We pre-ordered Mortal Kombat for $70, which was crazy expensive for one game. But I still really like that port, sweaty as it is. The sequel, Mortal Kombat 2, was the central point for many strangely unsuccessful studying sessions at a friend's house during our first semester of college. And without the pretense of studying, we played Mario Kart at another friend's apartment quite a bit. My brother was big into Killer Instinct for a while. Um, A lot of popular games for the system, though, I've never played. Uh, Super Mario World, Donkey Kong Country, Contra 3, Super Castlevania 4, Star Fox. I moved on to the Jaguar, and my brother let his best friend borrow our Super Nintendo. Well, his best friend's little brother, I think it was. He had it for a couple years, and when we got it back after repeated requests, it was very much like how it was when we bought it that day at Babbage's. Just the console, no games. We had at least a dozen games, perhaps more, but this kid had pawned them all, apparently. At least I still had my ASCII pad, but it wasn't in that great of shape. The, the switches tended to stick, and it was it randomly got stuck in slow motion mode. It's pretty much in the same condition now. I went out to used video game stores to try to rebuy the games I had lost. I skipped over Bill Lane Beer, but rebought Super R Type and Mortal Kombat and Clay Fighter. I bought a fairly decent knockoff of the original controller to replace that glitchy ASCII pad. The brand is, um Myeco? M-Y-I-I-C-C-O? It was new in the box and cheap, so that's what I went with, and it, it's not bad. My Super Nintendo had developed an unhealthy, yellowish cast, which was. Slightly nauseating to look at, so I traded it in last year, plus a few of my games, to a used video game store for a properly colored system. I'm superficial that way, I guess. I have about a half dozen games now. Uh, Super R-Type is the only one that I own now and also owned back then, back in the Ferg. Um, I I have, but haven't really played Super Metroid and Zelda Link to the Past. Super Mario All-Stars and Lion King are good to play with, with the kids. But I do have fond memories playing Pilot Wings in Street Fighter II at my friend's house, teaming up with my brother for Super Smash TV. I used a clip from Mortal Kombat in a high school video production I made, which uh, coincidentally ties into why I use the name Shinto, but that's a whole other story. You've probably noticed that I say Super Nintendo or SNES rather than pronouncing the acronym SNES. It just doesn't sound right to me. I have a long history of dragging my feet when it comes to pronouncing acronyms. For a long time, I would say SCSI instead of SCSI, or GUI instead of GUI, mostly because they sounded silly. But I changed my mind on those when I was young and pliable way back in high school. Now I'm old and crotchety, and I'm going to stick with SNES or Super Nintendo. I can deal with the extra syllables. They don't cost much. Well, that's my Super Nintendo story, SNES in a nutshell. Um... I'll always be an Atari fan, first and foremost, but it's ridiculous to exclude other platforms out of some myopic devotion to a particular brand. I would have missed out on a lot of fun memories with my Super Nintendo if I wore Atari blinders all the time. And, and even with widely criticized consoles, there's a lot to like. The Virtual Boy, for example. I only have four games for my Virtual Boy, but it's a fun and interesting system. The Atari Jaguar is another example, the target of much scorn, but a unique and enjoyable console in its own right. The Mattel Hyperscan. Uh, okay, you got me there. The only good thing I can say about the Hyperscan is that I bought it cheap on clearance and held on to it just long enough to be worth a couple bucks at my local used video game store, so um, I only ended up losing about $8 on the deal. Well, thank you for listening to my little story, and uh, thank you, Soulblazer, for all the support you've given me for my show. Retro video game podcasters, I've found, they tend to be a great bunch of people.